Happy holidays, Holman. How you doing? Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Not well. I mean, we're getting close. Okay, so is that the deal? You're saying happy don't accelerate holidays? it. Is well, what that's I'm what I'm saying. asking you. I'm like, are we are we saying this because we're taking time off? Or no, we... no, no. Don't, oh, good. don't read into it. Happy Advent. Happy Advent. Yeah, Catholics will know it. No, I mean everyone's holidays. Yeah, holidays seem so Catholic, impersonal. Jewish. Everyone's got holidays, right? Sure, that's why we use it. But Merry Christmas. Uh, um, Merry Christmas. Thank you. All right. But All no, right. wait a minute. It's now I Christmas feel like season. Christmas is next week. It's not. Uh, no, we're at least a couple. By the time they hear this, it'll be in a couple weeks. Yeah? What are you doing for Christmas? Anything? No, nothing. I know Not what I'm a freaking thing. I got this email today. I know. Actually, I do know what we're doing for Christmas. Not what I'm doing. It, it, what I'm doing for Christmas includes you, so how does it not? Oh, all right. What are we doing for Christmas? You and I were going to lay out the plan to fix your truck. Uh, well, I might be busy. <laughs> what? Well, I got this email from- My plan is to help you on your truck and now Finally, you're busy? Uh, I got this email from Nissan. Oh, do tell. It says, uh, Dear Sean, hope this note finds you well. Mm-hmm. To celebrate the season, Nissan would like to offer you a 2020 Titan loan to enjoy a holiday adventure. How dare you? It says, Reconnect with the outdoors and Titan's extensively redesigned full-size pickup with friends and family. The new Titan features substantial powertrain updates and unique styling for different trim levels. It now also offers standard Nissan Safety Shield 360 across all grade levels. Nissan continues to provide America's best truck warranty for the 2020 Titan with five years, 100,000 miles bumper to bumper. Titan has also demonstrated exceptional quality as a top-ranked large light-duty truck in the J.D. Power 2019 initial quality study. And it says, as you gather around the hearth or fire pit this season, after your Titan adventure, please enjoy a holiday s'more campfire kit to accompany your outdoor journey. We look forward to hearing from you and scheduling your 2020 Titan loan. And that came from our friend Janelle. You dick. I, she sent it to me. I've, I, I'll give you a ride. I'm looking in my email right now, and there's nothing from Janelle. Yeah, well, you know, she knows who the- Why? Uh, she knows who to talk to at this show. Dude. <sighs> Dude, yeah, you know that's not cool. No, it's awesome because no. you and I are gonna go. We're gonna. I'm gonna pick you up in the Titan to go work on the old '67. How about that? No, that'll if be your first ride you're in the Titan. Listen, I'm excited about that. All right. But if we're gonna go on an adventure, we're going to Death Valley or something cool. I mean, I'm definitely overdue for a Death Valley trip. Can we do that? Um, yeah, sure. I, if I can get away from the house for a couple of days. Ooh, I could bury you out there. I'm fine with that. Can I chop you up in little pieces and put you in the deck box in there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think mean, that, I think you'd have to leave somebody behind. You only need leave somebody behind? What do you mean? If I chopped you up, I wouldn't bring you back in the deck box. I would leave you out you there. You leave me Valley. out there. No, it's no, called no, Death no. Valley for a reason. So I think what you do is you chop you stop at like um somewhere off the 395 uh-huh. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And then you you chop me up in little pieces, yeah. right? Well, first how do you kill me? Well, I mean, I haven't totally decided that that's what I'm going to do yet. Oh, okay. And I feel like this is being recorded, and in case you die accidentally at some yeah. point, really don't want it coming back on oh. me. Because I want you to plan it out. It's got to be something creative. You know what I mean? Mm. Like send me up in like a big hot air balloon and then shoot it down or something. Oh, weird. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And then when I hit and I'm splattered, no. then you chop me up with like with Ginsu knives. No, it's just wood right? chipper. Oh, S- just super a wood chipper. Yeah, super no, simple. No, but wood chipper. I'm I'm goo. Yeah. You want to yeah. pour goo into a deck drawer? I would fit, a lot it would fit in there, I guess. Yeah, would, oh. but it would slosh back and forth. I guess it wouldn't come out. Well, I mean, it now would... deck drawers are. They're 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 waterproof, right? Uh, and but dust, are, but dust are they proof, designed yeah. to keep liquids, gelatinous blood no. and guts inside? No, I don't think so. No, no. I think that got really f- morbid. <laughs> no, it's great. No, our our audience loves no, this. This is great. Would, too more too morbid for the Churchill morbid. podcast. I'm leaving this in, dude. No, I'm not cutting this out. This is outstanding. <laughs>
let's let's reel it in again. No death and dismemberment. Yeah, let's that just, was really morbid for the holidays. Let's just go at, exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, I was gone this week. Yeah, and where I was, I saw a deck drawer. Uh, were you at the decked factory? No, I was at a different factory. You went. You went to Cummins. That's right. I yeah. saw the Instagram. Post. And there was a, uh, a Cummins Ram thirty five hundred work truck. You know, that had all their like uh, DOT numbers and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. And I'd gotten into one of their big electric uh, big rigs because I got a chance to ride around one of those. Because apparently Cummins is more than diesel. I oh, we'll talk about it. Later. Oh, yeah. So anyway, okay. I was up high, looked down, and sure enough, deck drawer. So going back to uh, your gelatinous goo self, <laughs> if we did it in uh, Indiana or uh, during a storm in Death Valley, it would just freeze into a giant ice block, and we could just leave you somewhere like that. Yeah. Oh, you could feed me to wild animals. Yeah. It's like like uh, like uh, yeah. Uh, no, 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 frozen no. goo nuggets. No, I would leave a. I would dump it all out on the ground. Mm-hmm. You, not mm-hmm. it. I jump right. w- and they put an umbrella in it. Right. And then they would feel like they're on a vacation or something, having a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what colors? Like the pink ones or the yellow pink, ones? Definitely pink. pink. Yeah, it'd have oh, to match. Because you're going to like poke fun at me. Uh, <laughs> even, even in death, you're making uh, fun of me. Yeah, I mean, that, I don't, that's the only way I roll. Oh, man, I feel like that went really weird from the beginning of the show. Are we just well, punchy? No, uh, yes. Remember yes, how we, we were talking about maybe we wouldn't uh, be doing a show this week because mm-hmm. of all the crazy travel? Yeah. Yet here we are. Here we are doing 101. So I ended up getting about 20, 30 hours of, of, of audio. From I don't know how trip. we're going to sift through all of the audio. Let me tell you what I am excited all about. Right. What are you excited about? Max Grundy. He's yes. one of my favorite artists. Uh, he's one of my favorite uh, cab over truck builders. Oh, because he built a Dr. Pepper truck. That's why. Oh, he we're we're going to get to that. My let's, new favorite let, human. Let's save that. And, and I'm excited. I'm actually excited to sift through your amazing audio. I'm going to give you some credit in advance. Okay, thank uh, you. Because I am excited, and I love Steve Sanders yep. at Cummins, and I'm glad that he hosted a little party of one at Cummins. <laughs> we did a bunch of, you know what the coolest thing is? We walk the listener through the birth of a 6-7 Cummins. Is it painful? Is there screaming and crying? No, it sounds like... <laughs> Like that over and over again. Well, if it's half as good as the sound effects coming out of your mouth, I can't wait. The truck show. We're gonna show you what we know. We're gonna answer what the truck. Cause truck rides with. The truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. You think anyone's still listening after that intro? Uh, I think they just used that 15 second skip ahead. I mean, I would have. <laughs> Is they even tired of us yet? Am I getting tired no, of us? No, no, no. I said, do you think they're getting tired of us? Because I, I posted this thing uh, on our Instagram, and I basically said, hey, uh, we really appreciate everybody. Thank you, because we made it to 100. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have this. The 100 episodes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And- uh, you know what, though? That graphic, I was kind of surprised you put that up. It looked very corporate. Um, Was it something corporate? Yes. Who did it? The band from the no, 90s? That was from our friend no. Matt made that. I'm not saying that I don't like the art. It does. You're just a hater. It does. Listen, Who Matt. Who cares? It was a damn thank you to all the people, and you've just pooped all over them already. Just that did not take long. Yeah, sorry. Matt, I love you. For the record, amazing art, but this looks just a little corporate. Wow. You, uh, what, but it, uh, so you brought it up. Did you get the response you were looking for? Yeah. I mean, all these people say they like us. I mean, they don't now. <laughs> because I, of me? Yes. <laughs> Oh, the only uh, person I knew who can turn a thank you into a F me. 
We are deeply sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Why does this always happen? We're sorry. I can't leave I, well I enough alone. I went on a great trip. I brought back this amazing audio, the history of, of Cummins. We're talking to Max Grundy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just pooped on it. I just pooped on it. I did poop on it. Hey, as an aside, real quick. Uh-huh. I know we're going to get to Max in a second. Yeah. So I want our audience to do something. Okay. Anytime you see Cummins. Yes. That and ending in a G online on uh-huh. Facebook. Tag the Truck Show Podcast. Well, yeah, tag us. Yeah. Wait, hold on a second. I was just going to ask them to say there's no G in Cummins. No, no, no. I think the joke is they tag us and then they say something like, oh, yeah, the G is silent. Because that's our joke. Okay. All right. I like you that see, better. Right? Yeah, so that like- they can just write, hey, man, the G is silent. Or don't you know the GSI podcast? At Truck Show Podcast. Okay, yeah, please and do then that. And that way you can proliferate the Truck Show Podcast to lots more people. It's like driving along the side of the road and you see giant ice cubes filled with like blood and guts, like light, chopped up lightning. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like you can't <laughs> unsee that. Lightning, uh-huh. Yeah, you can't see that. I'm seeing it in my mind right now. I can't. I can't not see Cummings. Yeah, no, it's bad. You and know, I, it just, it just, does, it's not. Stop. And, and stop what's crazy it, is the people that own the trucks. They still say it, and they're and it's saying spelled it. on their truck. Did you know that the uh, the Cummins factory has a, a a row where they call Power Row, where all the employees drive uh, Cummins powered vehicles park? No, but it's that's pretty like, awesome. Were you just drooling as you drove? So through? Uh, Steve has a uh, Land Rover that he did a R two point eight conversion in, mm-hmm. and he backs in amongst these Rams, these giant Rams. Somebody's like, "You can't park there," and he's like, "No, no, man, it's got a Cummins in it." Oh, it does? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. All right, so let's start the show with a certain Cummins powered cab over. Oh, would that be um, something Max Grundy built? Oh, you hit the nail on the head. All right, let's give him a call. Is this Max Grundy? Yes, sir, it sure is. Fantastic. It's Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Outstanding. Hey, don't move. We've got a quick intro for you. Pull up a stool and share. Pull up a stool and share a story. You pull up a stool and share with us. <laughs> kind of a corny intro for Max, don't you think? Uh, I mean, do we want to play the death metal one? No, that's uh, Innovator Motorator. Oh, all right. Do we want to play the blues one? No, again, that's Innovator Motorator. Is uh, he an innovator? Oh, I, I, I mean, he's innovative so. in art, but yeah. I, th- I figured he was telling stories. How so about it, who dis? Is he a who dis? Uh, I mean, I guess he could be a who dis. All right, Max, you tell us. You like that one better or this one? Yo, the truck show. <laughs> show interview you don't want to miss we talk to top dogs in the industry how'd you blow up how'd you come to be who this who this truck show represent i think uh, maybe that one does fit his style yeah, a little more. i think so maybe i don't know i think i'm number one. Oh, oh okay really wow okay you like well, to i was dancing to number one you just guys you guys just couldn't see it <laughs> <laughs> that is the problem with having an audio program is yep. uh we you know we get to do goofy things and nobody sees us i have a body for audio us too we have faces for audio <laughs> you'll do fine on the show i was just watching some, <laughs> watching some youtube with you i think it was you and your kid talking about corporate uh visuals Co- corporate audio is that a band yeah corporate audio <laughs> yeah. yeah well i'm seeing it at the roxy later yeah, yeah, tonight. Right. I thought so they were opening yeah. up for yeah okay yeah acoustic christmas corporate audio the most unhip band ever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we play with they want you to hear that's their tagline yep. 
So, Max, we're, we're calling you. We, we were inspired to call you. Well, Holman was dying. He's like, are we calling Max today? Are we call Max tomorrow? Are we call Max the next day? Because he fell in love with your Dr. Pepper truck. And then we, then we want to talk about that and then kind of rewind and talk about your history and where you're at now. So, Holman, sure. how were you introduced to – give me the lowdown on how you – saw the holy grail yes. that is the yes. Dr. Pepper. Uh, you mean where, where the uh, the heavens opened up and there was a, a ray of sunshine and angel yeah, singing? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> as you know, like, <laughs> as you know, Lightning, I was walking through SEMA this year and came across our good friend Steve Sanders from Cummins, which since we have a whole lot of Steve Sanders from Cummins in this episode, I figured uh, Max would be the perfect, uh, the perfect interview for it. So, okay. I'm talking to Steve, and, and he says, hey, have you had any Dr. Peppers? I said, this town is Dr. Pepper dry. The freaking convention center is all Pepsi. I can't find a Dr. Pepper anywhere. It does suck oh, that the Las man. Vegas convention center is a Pepsi Oh, floor. it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. They're awful oh, no, water, and they're awful Sierra Mist, and they're awful Pepsi, and all that awful Cherry, you get a cherry monster, Pepsi you is okay. You can't yawn without getting a monster thrown at you. Well, well that's yeah, true. Yeah, and that hurts uh, my friend Lightning here, because he's a rock star guy. No, so. I'm not. What are you talking about? <laughs> are, you, are you insane? No, I'm, I'm a Monster, if I was going to be an energy drink, I used to be Red Bull, but uh, I think with a sponsorship, I'm all about Oh, Monster. is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So anyway, uh, our buddy Steve Sanders from Cummins says, uh, well, I think I might know where you can get one. And I said, really? And he goes, out in the parking lot, straight back, all the way past the Ford deal, over by this, you know, Paradise Street is a Dr. Pepper Cummins truck. And I go, you are a freaking liar, my friend. He goes, no, I swear to God, walk out there. There's a Dr. Pepper truck. It's a delivery truck, and it's powered by a Cummins. And I'm going, okay, Cummins guy. Hey, I just happen to know your favorite soft drink. has a delivery truck with my engine in it. Yeah, okay. So uh, I told him that my week's mission was going to be to go find that truck. And I walked around for a good 45 minutes out there, and I could not find it. And then all of a sudden, I make a turn around the Coker booth, and there it is. I took a picture of it. It's now my cover photo on Facebook because everybody knows how much I love Dr. Pepper. And I had to uh, text Steve Sanders and tell him I was sorry. I apologize for calling him a big fat liar. <laughs> so what's the story behind the uh, the truck? Now, that's uh, that used to be your, your merch truck, right? Well, we're turning it into our merch truck. Ah. Um, a buddy of mine who uh, had been, well, I, I, I should say a fan, he had been buying my artwork for a while and supporting me for a while. Um, he came and visited me at a show up in Northern California, uh, said, Hey, I've got this, uh, I've got some COEs I'm trying to get rid of. And, uh, and those for your listeners who don't know, COE is cab over engine. That's the snub nose trucks, the, uh, that, uh, were used for delivery trucks in the late forties and early fifties. And, they and were, I uh, said, you know, snub nose, just so people are curious, Oh, why would you have one? Because, uh, the engine, you sat on top of it, cab over engine, and it allowed yeah. it to be more maneuverable because you didn't have the engine sticking out in front of you. So urban environments and things like that, they were easier to, to drive around. Well, they, they originally started because of, uh, regulations on America's highways. Your, your load could only be so long. So they made the snub nose truck to allow for a larger uh, a length of, of load that you could carry without wasting space on truck. Now, however, having said that, I do think you're right in that they, they are more maneuverable in tight spaces and, and squeeze around stuff a little bit better. So yours is a 48, right? A 48 yeah, 48 Ford, Ford uh, cab over engine. And um, yeah, so, so I was told that he had a, a, a few cab overs he wanted to get rid of. And he showed me, started showing me pictures, and there were some pretty neat cab over trucks in there. And he says, "But this one is the special one." He says, and he pulls it out, and it's it's this old 
vintage Dr. Pepper truck that's been a soda delivery truck from at least the 50s, if not, you know, Wait, since it was new. You're telling me you didn't just make it a Dr. Pepper truck. It was actually a Dr. Pepper delivery truck? That's correct. Yes. I just what? became more in love. It's a little bit hokey because they made it back in the day. If you if you search old soda trucks on the on the Google there, uh, you'll see that uh, they used to be designed a certain way. The boxes that they, they would be behind these classic trucks, they just had a certain look to them. They're square with rounded edges, and they had a little fin down the middle that typically was kind of like a little mini billboard that said "Your Holland Coke, Pepsi, Dr Pepper, whatever." Uh, but then all of your soda load was out in the open. So it's all soda bottles, you know, kind of kind of moving around and, and you could see them in there. Well, at some point in time, and I think that's because this truck originally came out of uh, Utah and Idaho. I don't know the total history yet. Um, they decided to encase it and close it, probably because of the cold weather, I would imagine. Um, or maybe people were swiping sodas out of the back of their truck. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you so, one thing. If I were in a uh, cold environment... And uh, I had a access to a cold Dr. Pepper by just passing the truck. I would do it. So the, the truck has been a soda delivery truck uh, of some sorts for, I think, nearly its whole life just by the look of how the box was built. Um, now, it has an old mural on it that you that you have seen that says Dr. Pepper on it. And um, that mural was painted in 1976. And the way that we know that is it says it on the back of it that the truck was, you know, for the nation's uh, bicentennial, 1776 to 1976. So it couldn't have been painted earlier than that, but I think they painted it on there to commemorate the uh, bicentennial of the, the country. So, so it's an old mural, but it's not as old as the truck. But at some point, they turned it into an enclosed box and painted that mural on. But it's still the classic Dr. Pepper, Vim, Vigor, and Vitality logo right. that you would see uh, in the old the old-timey days. Now, right. this thing's actually pretty cool, aside from being a Dr. Pepper truck. Uh, because it's actually on a 93 Dodge Ram chassis, and then yep. you actually did a lot of body work to it to kind of make it more squatty and slammed and kind of kind of change the flavor a little bit by... Uh, yeah. by See what you did there? Change the flavor? You like that? Right. <laughs> Which one of the 23, fla- the 23 spices and what did it say? What's the big 23 on the side of the can mean? Yeah, it's, it's, the, uh, it's right here. It's the authentic blend of 23 flavors. Only because, uh, see, Max, he's yeah. reading the can on the desk right here. I actually have one. Right. It just sounds too good to not read. It's got 23 <laughs> flavors. It's amazing. Hold on one second here. <laughs> you just dribbled some on your laptop. No, it went oh, through my beard. Gosh. No, <laughs> my beard got it. I could smell and taste that slurp that you did. <laughs> it, was, it was so authentic. It's disgusting <laughs> to be here in person with him, though, I just have to say. <laughs> So, uh, at what point, um, Holman, did you have sex with the uh, the, the vehicle? Uh, at no point. It was a uh, it was an emotional relationship. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's just emotional. There's nothing physical. Now, about are it. you guys? So, you're it's like a long dating distance. Well, I'm long... hoping to see it again, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you did at some point though. You had to kiss it. You know what I mean? I like... hugged it. I actually have a picture of me hugging it. Oh, the, that actually so. happened. That's adorable. And I'm sorry that my uh, handprints are probably still on that thing. <laughs> well, it's not, it didn't have wet paint. 
Or how hard did you squeeze yeah, it? Yeah, but my hands are sweaty. <laughs> God. It's not even heart palpitation. Don't soil his truck. <laughs> Too late. Is that where those palm prints came from? Yes, yeah. it was. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get back in. Your question before I interrupted you was sure. the mods uh, the mods that you did. So take yeah. us through that. Like, what did you bag it? Did you do like who yes. did you work with? That type. Of how thing. did you make it rad? I think is what my man Lightning here is trying to say. That is what I would like to. Well, ask. we wanted to keep the original spirit of the truck. We didn't want to like you know strip off the history of the truck, but we wanted to make it look better. We wanted it to be real for being a daily driver so we decided to pull the old body off of the original which ran straight six flathead ford uh motor and chassis it did run it was a working truck but you're looking at 45 miles an hour and it's just not practical to drive around a truck that can only do that speed on on california roads so we decided to pull the uh the box and the body off and the box alone i i think it was somewhere around three tons that the box weighed Whoa. so much steel. I mean, they just built the hell out of this thing. So you can imagine uh, our shop trying to pull that box off of a thing, you know, off of the chassis that's been on there since who knows how long, at least the 50s. And uh, we used uh, a homemade A-frame, giant 20-foot tall A-frame that we built, and uh, other things like uh, <laughs> floor jacks and uh, engine hoists and such. Pulled the body off, and then we um, had a 93 Dodge that we purchased just for this uh, case to be a donor. We pulled the body off of that, and then we start trimming and, and fitting until we get the body onto it. Which, uh, surprisingly enough, the original flathead was almost the same um, blueprint, the same, uh, I guess you'd say, footprint of the Cummins. Almost the same length, the same width, and the same height. The only difference was the turbo stuck out, and that made us have to trim the floor a little bit. Um, but got the body on there, fitted it, and then uh, we did some body mods to the truck. We chopped it uh, three and a half inches and shaved the door handles, put in automatic door poppers, and uh, just restylized it. But my goal for this this project was to keep the original flavor of the truck without losing that cool old authentic spirit. Well, God bless you because the way it came out is awesome. It's uh Thank you. You're happy. Thank you. Yeah, very Thank happy. You. That's the uh, Truck Show podcast audience. <laughs> audience yeah. yeah, absolutely. I just call on them when I need them. Yeah, well, they're uh, they're in the can ready to <laughs> yeah. go. Uh it's like a, a satin uh black. It's got a uh, coker yep. wide whites on it. It's just yep. it's it's almost evil except it has this old timey Dr. Pepper mural on the side of it and it's almost like you could murder it out you could not have the wide whites and would just be a black evil old truck but the yeah. fact that it has the wide whites it has the rear wheel skirts over the back where you would expect to see the 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 dually rear wheels um, and then it has just it's like the warmth of this awesome mural that just adds so much character to it and it's I don't think people you know it's one of those trucks that you could see a rendering or you could see it in your mind it would be built a certain way but it has that extra pop because of the uh, the Dr. Pepper banner, and I just, it's badass. I love it. Well, How do you really feel about it, Holman? I, I agree. I think that keeping the original mural on there did keep with the warmth of the history, and, and it makes it special. It's it's easy to just you know paint everything black, but we wanted it to be a little bit more. But it does have that kind of historical, a little bit of a creepy Christine vibe. A little bit. Kinda, it does kind of look a little bit tough, but... Um, but but there is that warmth, like you say, I think. It has just enough friendliness, and uh, you love it because you could take that thing anywhere, and somebody's going to ask you the story about that truck. And I didn't even know that it was an original soda delivery truck. So for me, I would just thought it was cool, and I was like, unbelievable, somebody would paint this on here. But 
the fact that it's original to the truck is makes it even more more special. We just scuffed the whole mural and we just uh, sat and clear coated it. I, I wouldn't want to shiny clear coat it because I don't think that would fit with the character of the truck. But we wanted to seal it in, give it a little bit of protection for the next 50 years. So we scuffed it good. And we laid on a nice thick uh, satin clear coat. So it made it pop, but it didn't make it uh, obnoxiously shiny. What's the um, the response been? Uh, you know, driving around your hometown. And where, where where where's your shop, by the way? We're in Riverside, California, and uh, every every car that we build, and we do a lot of trucks, and we don't we do a lot of fin cars, and and I feel like everybody responds to the cars that we build a little bit differently. You know, there's a certain car that kind of disappears. It's a little bit stealthy, and people don't see it until it's past them, and a lot of times they don't see it at all. They just there's certain cars that are kind of sleek and uh, have that sneaky look to them. And there's some cars that have a sort of happy, friendly 50s vibe to them. And we've done those, too. And people respond to that a certain way. So you have these different reactions. And then when you get to the COE trucks, people don't know what the hell to think when they see them. I mean, you may as well have landed <laughs> with a UFO on the street because their reaction is something like shock. And they, they like it, but they're maybe not sure they should like it. And um, so that tends to be the response with the cab over trucks is that it's it's somewhere between uh, shock, awe and joy. Well, it's like they're they're so ugly. They're kind of cute. You know, That's it's it. sort of like a That's high it. hood Willie's, you know, uh, CJ three B where it. it just looks like a, a bulldog. Right. Like it just has that look where you're like, God, that thing's ugly. But the more you walk yeah. around it, there's a there's something that you want to embrace because of its ugliness. Yeah, I joke with people that being an old car builder and fanatic is something like being like a drug addict, you know, sort of like at the beginning, you know, you might do a little bit of uh, some shots and maybe a little weed. But over time, you get bored with that and you get harder and harder. And for me, that's the cab overs, like cab overs. (laughs) That's just heroin. Yeah, that's it. That's what you beat me to it. The cab overs and the fin cars are kind of the heroin of the classic car world. (laughs) <laughs> there's no harder drug out there for him. Well, there, there's, uh, you know, you might need some Narcan to bring him back or something, you know? Right. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Nobody had that handy. Okay, so wait a minute. What you said, Max, kind of, I find it fascinating. I thought, I just know you from your art, right? So if you go to maxgrundy.com, you'll see a slew of just jaw-dropping And by art. the way, you but, probably, as a listener, have seen Max's art before. It's very distinctive and very cool. Thank you. You probably have. But I did not know that you had a shop building custom cars. Am I an idiot? Is that yep. something that I should have known? I, I wasn't aware. Can we hold I think that? In recent years, people have been following us as we've been doing that. So I think it, it is becoming more common knowledge, but that's okay. People know me from my art. That doesn't matter. We build cars and we do art. Uh, I mean, we make stuff. You know, I'm not out to, to prove anything necessarily that way. We've been building cars for a while. I grew up with old cars and it's part of what we do. I think, you know, within the past several years, it's been more of something like an outlet of, of, of professional expression. I mean, we've been doing them and selling them in the past sev- several years. But as far as, you know, old cars, they're just part of my life from the very beginning since I was 15 years old, pretty much. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Was it the art or was it the building of the cars? At, well, I think 15? the art... I think the art definitely, but I was raised in a car family. My my family always had a bunch of muscle cars around. We had Novas, Chevelles, Camaros, Mustangs, Malibus, all that stuff all the time. That because that was what my older brothers were into. And my dad actually had a chop a chopped Merc when he was in his late twenties in the in the fifties, and it was only chopped a couple inches, but. But I was always fascinated with my dad's stories of the cars that he drove because, you know, he grew up in the 50s. He was in that era. 
And um, I love to hear his story. So I have an appreciation and love for muscle cars. But my dad, you know, when I kind of expressed to him, I was interested in these kind of curvaceous 50s cars. Me and him, that was a bonding thing for him and I, because my other brothers were just muscle cars. And being an artist, naturally, I gravitated towards automotive art. And then, you know, you fast forward, that manifests itself through junior high, middle school, whatever, high school, and you're, you're making it, and that's great. And then you, you get to college, and somehow, you know, putting cars in your art is a bad thing. You know, professors, don't, don't do that. Don't, it's low art. But, you know, for me, at, at some point, I think low art became the highest form of art that there was, you know, and these cultural expressions of our lifestyle, these modified cars, it's a sort of authentic view into uh, a subculture. And I'm proud to be part of that subculture. But are, are you the, the Shepard Fairy of the car world? You know, I mean, because I think that's what they thought originally about Shepard is that, again, it was kind of low art with, with Obey and, you know, the wheat pastings and stuff he was doing around. And then all of a sudden now people are paying half a million dollars for a piece of his art, right? And then he's doing an Obama poster. And then, but mm-hmm. that's that's kind of you well, where you and know, people scoff I, at I your know, work. I don't and know then, if I would associate myself necessarily with him. I just know that I'm a child of the 80s. And uh, what I was raised on was skateboard graphics, snowboard graphics, B-movies, comic books, all that stuff. Pretty much and everything so, in the world that's rad, right? Rad. The word rad. <laughs> I think, I think yeah. so. I mean, I, I could still smell the skateboards in the skateboard shops. And, and I think I was primarily there for the art more than the actual skateboarding. But that culture was so interesting and fascinating to me that since I could draw, I think my stuff's always been graphic with, with you know bold outlines and simple colors. You know, and I, I think I think of art as needing to communicate. You know, it, it can't just be beautiful. It has to tell a story. It has to make the viewer feel something. And if you can accomplish that, I think you've you've accomplished more than most people can because, you know, people get caught up in details a little bit too much, I think, and trying to show every brush of hair or every blade of grass. And I think you have to spark something in the viewer. You have to make them feel something. And these old cars do that. If you've owned or driven or ridden in an old car, there's a history there that you can't deny that is so exciting. A hundred percent. Well, so I've owned a lot of cars, a lot of trucks over my years, and the 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 truck that pulled up in front of my house uh, two episodes ago was a a 1966 C20 big window, she, she, big window Chevy mm-hmm. truck, the first old truck I've ever owned. And my kids and my wife love it more so than my lifted 08 Duramax. Uh, and it's and the woman across the street. This happened, Holman. I don't think you know this. Okay. The woman across the street who rents the house knew they're like they've only been in there for less than a month. She walks over. She introduces herself to my wife one afternoon and says, "I noticed your husband just got this new truck. This just happened, by the way." And she goes, "This is going to sound weird, but can I take it out?" on a date or she says, can I take it out uh, to go to dinner with what she asked my wife and she could, if she could borrow yeah. the 66. Yeah. Did she and- know that when you push on the, uh, the brake pedal that the front turn signals come on? No, she has no nothing about that. She has no idea that it's a road hazard. Does she know that you can see through the floor? Uh, no, she doesn't know about that. It, the rust is real. It's does not, pati- it's does not she know patina. that when you sit in the driver's seat, that all the wires from the dash sort of tickle the top of your knees. And so you can't wear shorts. Cause it's you'll not the only thing be, they tickle. Yeah, might be electrocuted. Yeah. <laughs> So no, she. I just thought that was fascinating. To to Max, your your point is that it does, 
it's weird. We're, every day you sit on the freeway, you're on the 405, the 5, the 91, wherever you are in Southern California or wherever you are in, in any part of the country, and you're inundated with shiny new cars. And all of a sudden, yeah. some old farm truck or some 50s, yep. or it's Anything. a four-way store, and it's just so Oh, do you want different. better? How about how many times have you seen a Ferrari or a Lambo or an Audi you know, going down the freeway? And then there's a 67 to 72 C10 on bags, and everybody cares way more about that truck than they do about the Murcielago that just passed you in the other lane. Well, maybe that's well, in Southern California. I have, but... I have a theory in all that, and I think that uh, the analogy I like to make to people is it's like the difference between riding a subway to work or driving a go-kart to work. You know, one may get you there to point A to point B more efficiently and more cost effective, but the go-kart's a hell of a lot more fun. And I liken driving a classic car to where to like riding a bar of soap along a porcelain highway. You might not be going very fast. <laughs> you might not be going very fast necessarily, but it sure as hell feels like you are. So there's an emotional quality to these cars. And and another, you know, uh, comment to your point is, you know. You, you mentioned your family loves this old truck more than your brand new truck. And, and I think for me as a car builder and an artist, when you strip these cars apart, it's almost like a resurrection is occurring. You're blasting apart this car that's maybe been sitting in a field for 30 or 40 years, or it hasn't been running, something like that. And then you're starting to refinish. and You're putting this car back together piece by piece by piece by piece. And at some point, in this process of putting a car together, I believe that the car achieves a soul. And it's different for every car. Sometimes, some cars, it's when you put the glass in. Some cars, it's when you put the color on. Some cars, it's when you put the tires on. But every car has that magical moment where it turns from this, this memory, this lost piece of history, into something that is alive and exciting to be part of. I know the exact moment that happened on my 67 F100. What was that? Uh, I was at uh, our friend Teresa and Sarah's shop, LGCTS, mm-hmm. and Teresa called me and said, there's no way we can use this cab. And I was like, oh, F. And wow. she said, we're going to try and find you a cab. Don't worry. And I thought, this whole project is dead, and we're all we're all hosed, and I can't well, believe- Because you were thinking- <laughs> No. Well, oh, no, yeah. Well, part of it, because I had, you know, yeah, I had some budget behind the metal work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then Teresa calls me one day and she says, we found a cab in a local junkyard in like El Monte and it's totally usable and rust free. And when they put that cab, when all the metal work was done and that cab got on it and she painted it, that was the moment because the truck, I knew that an old rusty truck that had no business being on the road just got resurrected and would someday see the highway. And then it that went was, to. It uh, wasn't no longer a rusty old truck. It was your truck. That's right, my and truck. It was, it and was a thing now. I returned it from the earth and brought it right on back <laughs> to the road, and then dropped it off at uh, Lightning's work, and it sat there for two years. Uh, yeah, well, well, I mean, you got the yeah. Well, <laughs> next topic. <laughs> so it, it 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 has it has a um, you know how you get like a oh let's say a Dr Pepper bottle right mm-hmm. and you open it for the first time and you break that seal. And all that CO2 comes out with that just amazing, right? Yeah, yep. yeah we haven't yep. done that yet because mine doesn't run yet. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no that's not true. The soul is encased in it. It has trans in a, no, an no, engine. No, 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 no. But it doesn't, it doesn't turn no, on. No, no, no. When you got it from LGECTS, uh-huh. it went, but then you drove it over and then it got flat. No, it, got it had to, and watery. No, no, it's just, it's sad. It's sad. It does uh, have a frown every time I walk by it, which is like 80 times yeah, today. Yeah, because it hates you. Yeah. 
Well, don't let it go for too long because eventually, you know, time goes too long. I know. You're, you're missing out on that time to have with that car. Not only that, but I saw it on freaking Diesel Brothers with flat tires in the background. <laughs> I've oh. pumped them up since then. Thanks. And they've gone flat again. Yeah. And I pumped them up again. Okay. Well, at yeah. least somebody's, you know, <laughs> maintaining it while it sits there and rocks. Hey, Max, quick question. So, sure. uh, favorite truck that you've ever owned now it can be one that you've restored not restored bought restored bought not restored whatever well my very first car i owned was a 1952 chevrolet truck so i've always had a thing for those advanced design series trucks nice it was actually painted like the idaho license plate um so it had a mural going around the entire truck my dad knowing that i liked 50s cars and i liked art Saw that car for sale when he was on a business tri- trip, bought it for me for a thousand bucks, brought it home. So I loved that truck growing up. But as far as the grand history of cars that I've owned or built, um, I, I would probably say it's been with our 1950 uh, Chevrolet cab over. Uh, we called it the the Chingus. It was a, a mustard colored uh, <laughs> mustard colored truck. See, I know you guys are Californians if you know the Chingus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, what that means, yeah, because it was kind of. Had custom touches. It kind of had a hot rod touches. So it's like, uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? You know, one of those things. It's like a chingus. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. that was that was where the, the name for that came. And that truck was really neat. It, it sold to a guy in Hawaii on the big island. It got shipped over there. But it was a great truck and fun to drive. It had an LS motor in that one. And it was... You know, there's just something about riding in a cab over. If you guys have ridden in one, oh, yeah. ridden in one, or your or your um, your listeners have, you don't really see the hood on these trucks. So you're kind of right up against the windshield. So the driving sensation is kind of like flying. So they're a lot of fun to to drive and just a fun experience. Was that the one that had the Art Deco wings on the box? Um, that was the one before that one. That okay. one was war. That one was war paint, but you're you're getting close. See, it was it was painted a color like a mustard color, like okay. almost like a like a butterscotch. Um, yeah, if, if you search Max Grundy COE, it'll come up there. Well, the, and if one. you visit at Max underscore Grundy, G R U N D Y on Instagram, you can get lost yes, in both his art and and vehicles he's built. There's so much cool stuff on his Instagram feed. Thanks, man. Uh, I have one more question for you. You sure. talk about being a kid of the 80s like we are uh, and skating. Vans or Globes? Um, you know, I was a, uh, <laughs> I was, I was a Vision Streetwear kind of guy. But, uh... <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. Look at this. Wait, wait, wait. Look at my notes right here. What does this say right here? Uh, hold on. What does this one say right here? That uh, question. Wait. Power or Vision? Powell or, or Powell vision. or Vision? Powell well, or you have vision. horrible penmanship. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did actually write that say, down. I think I was a Vision guy. I mean, it seemed like all the kids that had money, they were Powell guys, and us broke kids always ended up with the Vision <laughs> stuff. And I don't vision, know. exactly. I don't How about the uh, the Price Club uh, Kamikaze? The uh, no. action sports Kamikaze. Oh, the bearing sucked. <laughs> Everything the sucked out of But that was our first skateboard for a lot of us. Now, wait a minute. So, no. either, so were you Hawk or Hosoi? <laughs> I think I was Hosoi. Yeah, now, ooh. Did you ever have a small fish by any chance? No, no. but that sounds familiar. Yeah, you know but- that I had a, gosh, what was it I had? He was like one of the only black uh, professional skateboarders. Um, I had his deck for a really long time. That was one of my very first decks that I got. Ray Barbie, Ray Barbie. Oh wait, Ray Barbie is from Long Beach. My wife is friends LBC. with him and his wife. He's oh, do you guys know him? Yeah, absolutely. My kids go to school with Ray Barbie. Small kids. world. Yeah, Ray oh Barbie gosh. is dope. He's a super nice guy. Who knew that uh, Max Grundy was going to be our new best friend? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I like that. Well, I mean, he's he's local. He's Riverside. Yeah. Hey, I, I a couple questions real quick for you. Um, sure. Advice, Max, on 
uh, for budding builders. So if you're a young guy, you know, and we do have some younger listeners. We have some guys still in high school and uh, they're starting out in college. Do you have any advice for, for young builders that either are doing it for themselves or they want to get into the business? Well, um, I think I, I, a couple things. I mean, if you want to get into the business, you got to just put yourself around the old cars. Um, I, I'm very, I recommend to people get your education. You know, whether you go to school at a traditional university or a tech school, getting your education is so important because it just exposes to such a wide range of thing. And I think there's a common like belief, you know, that getting a traditional education and going to university is such a bad thing now. And I think that's bull. I think that it's really good to get your knowledge. You don't have to agree with all of it, but get your knowledge and then put yourself around people who are doing it. And, and that's going to teach you how to become a good builder and, and do things that are, you know, uh, educated, you know, and, and not only teach you how to do it, teach you how to be better at it than the next guy. And, um, you know, that, that's the main thing I would say is just immerse yourself in, in that culture and um, put the time in it. If you want to build a car, it's really easy to get intimidated by a car and the car project comes to a standstill. But the one thing I've learned with SEMA projects and these cars that we've built over time is that it really boils down to just doing a little bit every day. You know, if you accomplish one thing a day and, you know, you're going to be surprised at what gets done on that car in just a matter of two or three months. I mean, you would be shocked at That's how fast totally, it comes along. totally different than doing nothing every day, right, Lightning? <laughs> That's true. That's right. Well, people get intimidated and they just get, they just feel overwhelmed, so they do nothing. Or they bring the their trucks to their friend's shops and or let them die. Or we just stop it already? <laughs> you can go over there and finish the goddamn thing yourself. You don't have to do it all. There oh, are stuff. There are pieces. Let's not even. Don't even get me started on this thing. I talked uh-huh. to you three episodes ago, and our listeners uh-huh. have been listening. They yeah. know. Uh-huh. I said, let's start working on yes, this. Yes, and I agreed. And you haven't showed up once to like. Put, I have not put, been in Southern California for like well, two weeks. Well, then stop bitching and moan about it. Oh. I got extra dry erase markers and our big. Oh, and I cleaned off the truck. I cleaned off the the, the the whiteboard so we can make a list of all the all parts right. and everything we need to do. And I wheeled it over to your truck, and we're. I ready am to ready go. for you. Well, then show your ass up. Christmas break, I'm over there. All right. And I'm bringing Max Grundy with me because clearly I I need some help. You got the right idea, man. You you got the right idea of getting a big board and writing everything that you need to do on there. That's a great way to start. Fire lightning, number one. Yeah. No, come on. Remove roadblock. Now, I want to- Sometimes if you can't work on it, buy If you got a little bit of money and you know you need spotlights or whatever the hell you need, whatever piece you need, get them ordered. Just start accumulating stuff. You know, every every piece that you get rebuilt My bed is full. Yeah. His bed is full of just parts. A lot of parts. So many parts parts in in the bed. bed. Yeah, it's spilled over. Too bad it's a short bed because if it was a long bed, I'd have more room to accumulate parts. No, no, no. Tailgate is down. I'm using it all. (laughs) I'm using all of it. And we have a 66 C20 in our shop right now, by the way. (gasps) Oh, you need to go over. No, wait, wait, stop. We need to go see Max because you need inspiration on your well, truck. He's, and so if he's in Riverside, yeah. you're 20 minutes from, I'm in Azusa where I work. So what needs so, to happen is you need to see, oh, just like Finnegan was talking about how he trades for things. Mm-hmm. How about you see straight up trade Max's C20 for your C20? And then we'll just it's, already do that. <laughs> it's already sold. It's already But wait, wait, wait. I want to find right. out. What I, did, I don't want anybody's hopes up. No, no, no. no but I, I'm not interested because I, I am looking forward to building this thing. Can you tell me what you did to it? Yeah, it's on airbags. Uh, we actually left the patina on this. It was the first time we'd ever done anything like that. We usually paint our cars, but it had this really neat kind of patina that, uh, well, first of all, the truck was left in uh, behind our T-shirt printer in Los Angeles in, um, oh, hell's bells. I can't remember the name of the city, but it's in L.A., and it had been in the back of the shop, and I'd asked the owners about it. Hey, what are you guys doing with that old Chevy truck back there? Oh, nothing. We've just had it forever. It's been sitting there. It was just had crap piled on it for, for years. Anyway, we eventually bought it for him, from him for 1000 bucks. We pulled the body off, painted the frame, rebuilt the motor, 
um, the patina on it was so cool. It looked like an old Panzer, German Panzer tank or something. So hmm. we basically just scuffed the whole body and then we sat and clear coated it and it, and sealed it all in. And again, I think the satin clear works really well if you want something to have that sort of old feeling still, you know, and, and sort of, but still preserve it. So it's sealed in and not rusting more. Anyway, it turned out great. The people that I bought the truck from, my T-shirt printer, they followed the build as we posted pictures on Instagram. They ended up buying it back for me when it was finished. No so way. Getting, awesome. That, that's a true story. So it's here getting a few uh, final things dialed in, but uh, it went right back on. to its original home. Now, I think it's good, good karma. Sort of like meant, meant to happen. Who? I agree. Did you do all the work there on site? Did you? Uh, we, have, we have three employees, and uh, we all work on it together. So, but I mean, like, like the bear, did you see notch it? Did you do a new frame? Did you like, yes. okay. Which, which we notched it. Okay. Uh, and we, actually conver- we converted it to a C10. So we, we switched out the lugs, uh, put in a disc brake kit, put a different rear end in it, uh, updated the transmission. It's the original 283 uh, V8 in it. And um, yeah, so a mix of some custom stuff, and but we made it basic in, into a lighter duty truck. It's um, rad. I'm so looking at could... it on your Instagram right now, and oh, cool. one of the things I like about it is, you're right, the body, it's it's sort of like a, uh, I don't know, teal or turquoise with a bunch of rust and stuff, and it, you know, the way we feel about patina is, if you have a solid truck that's not rusty, that truck's earned that patina, so keep it, because you're never going to be able to replicate that, but what I like that you did is, the grill is, is perfectly square and clean, but it's gloss black, the bumper is square, so you have this sort of like, haggard old truck, but... The bumper, the headlights, the grill, all the things that bolt to it are all new and and fresh, but the, the, the history of the truck still lives on in its pain. I think that's pretty cool. Thank you. It's hard to keep that, you know, because you don't want to put something that looks out of place, but I found that the doing a little bit of satin black on a patina car, it, it seems to fit with the theme. It doesn't look, it freshens it up without becoming too new looking. 100%. When do they come to get the truck? Or are you going to drop it off? Do, I'm asking because- Are you stalking him now? No, no, no. Okay. I, I, it sounds dorky, but I'd like to go see it in person to be inspired. It, it'll be here uh, till about the, probably the second week of January. Oh, you got time. Oh, I got plenty of time. I'll come you over the time. holidays. Yeah, I'll come, I'll come over the holidays, assuming you guys are up and working and around. We're always working. It never ends. I'm curious about the business. To follow up on the advice for the budding builders, you mm-hmm. went from you building, you know, kind of as a 15-year-old tinkering dad, brothers, whatever, mm-hmm. and then now mm-hmm. you have got a shop with guys. How did it grow into that as a business? Well, it all started from my artwork. I think, um, like I said, I'd always been around old cars and built old cars, worked on old cars. Um, but I've definitely been more of an artist than any kind of builder. But old cars have always been part of my life. And uh, I had a 50 Merc that was painted army green color, uh, kind of like an avocado color, not too, you know, trying to look like the military, but it was of that kind of style of color. Uh, oh, I had that car for a number of years, drove around Riverside, um, loved the car. Um, it came to the point where, you know, we were we wanted to make a little bit more of a chunk of money. So we thought, well, what if we put the car for sale just to see what happens, just to see what we could get out of it? And uh, so we put the car up for sale and we got a pretty large chunk of money from it. And it was like a light went off and I thought, oh gosh, you know, this is something that I didn't realize that my art could carry over into car builds because I had designed the Mercury to look like my artwork, you know, simple, clean, bold, kind of making a statement, not too much clutter on it. And that was just how I think about things, you know, graphic, getting back to the skateboard graphics. And so I was designing... Uh, cars to the extent a car like that mercury to my aesthetic 
in the way that I would do my artwork. So if a light went off and I says, well, you know, why don't we start doing these cars as part of the business? And so from that point on, it was like building cars, driving them, enjoying them for a little while and then selling them. So it just sort of naturally happened that it came out of the artwork once I became established as an artist. And your artwork is awesome. Like you're talking about simple, bold, kind of looks like skateboard graphics. You have this sort of apocalyptic meets machinery sort of escape from uh, from the apocalypse and city and urban. It's just, it's awesome. It reminds me of what I wish I could have drawn in like screen printing class in high school. You know, like just... If you had talent. Yeah, if I had talent. This is totally my aesthetic, and I could never do this. No. No, I doodle, like, really stupid things. Yeah, wieners. Wieners, that's true. And garbage pail kids. It's true, yeah. I have some more wiener pictures uh, for you. I don't need to see those. The ones I doodled, not the other ones. I see, gotcha. I don't want to see any photographs of your junk. Wienerpictures.com. Well, I've been trying, so I was trying to figure out if I should make an Instagram, and uh, I was looking, uh, like, maybe Hidden Dickies or something like that, Mm -hmm. taken. Um, There are about 20 different ones I tried, all taken, and I'm like, there's some sick people out there like me. By the way, Hidden Dickies are playing the Glass House in Pomona <laughs> yeah, out are, by right. uh, Max Grundy. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, listen, uh, congratulations on the success, Max. It's it's really cool to see you doing what you're doing because it does seem like, it from an outsider's perspective, it looks like you're having fun and you're kind of living your dream. Well, thanks. I think that we are. You know, it never gets easy working for yourself, as a lot of you guys would, would know, probably. But you know, it's one of those things where you can work any 80 hours a week you want. You can pick and choose whichever 80 you want. Uh, the ones where you need money. Yeah. <laughs> All those 80, so exactly. It, it's hard and you're putting in the time, but at the end of the day, you're doing exactly what you want to do. All right. Well, check out maxgrundy.com or at max underscore grundy on Instagram or at maxgrundy on Facebook. Uh, check out his art. He's got t-shirts for sale. His artwork is spectacular. Uh, the vehicles are awesome, but uh, my, my heart... It's with the Dr. Pepper truck. Mm-hmm. My heart is with his new C C20, C10 conversion. I'm checking out any time. You guys are always welcome. We'll make you burgers while you're here. Oh, I oh, mean, if God. you're going to offer a food. Come on now. Yeah, if you I mean, put Dr. Pepper <laughs> in there, we'll be there burgers. tomorrow. You know, we're not very fancy. It's yeah. just burgers. Oh, you haven't seen us. We aren't yeah. very fancy, and we didn't get these bodies by uh, by not eating burgers. So. All right, uh, Max, <laughs> we'll see you in about uh, 20 minutes. <laughs> that sounds like some new diet, bodies uh, not eating burgers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. We'll All right, Max. Appreciate your time, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. My pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot for your time. All, All right, right, brother. Bye. Bye-bye. Holman, what do you suppose it's like to have talent? Oh, man, I have not known talent ever. <laughs> Makes two of us. <laughs> I mean, I've met talent. Yeah. Uh, like Max Grundy. But myself? Hmm. Totally over my head on that. I was actually looking through all of his pictures. His Instagram feed, his beautiful family, and I uh, was just feeling pretty bad about myself. So <laughs> you might have to take me up back and, <laughs> and off me. You and I need therapy. Yeah. Well, this is our therapy. Is it? I think so. I guess we do kind of vent. Yeah, hashtag podcast therapy. <laughs> podcast therapy. <laughs> Holman, what you got in uh, truck news? Well, I got a big gnarly one-wheel burnout. What? That From, made some wait, news. What? Who did it? I did it. What? All right, so uh, we'll, we'll, this is a teaser for what's coming up in our Cummins coverage, but before yeah. we get into what's new in trucks, I thought I'd play this little little clip for you. It's a one-wheel burnout. It's an awesome burnout. <laughs> Look at all that white smoke like cotton candy in the middle of a county road. There's no houses or buildings anywhere in sight. 
Oh. <laughs> There's a story behind that. Are you going to share it with us now, or we got to wait till our Cummins uh, bonanza after what's new in trucks? So people who know the history of the Cummins and Ram tie-up knows that there were uh, six development trucks that were used to be the very first trucks to put the Cummins engine in, mm-hmm. D001 through D006. This was D006. You'll hear a clip of uh, Steve Sanders and I driving it for the first time. Um, but then we had this thing at dinner where one of the Cummins engineers is like, hey, blah, 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 you know, we test other people's diesels. I said, oh, we just had this of the year test and blah, blah, blah. And they said, yeah, you know, it sucks. You can't do a burnout in L5P. And I went, hold up. The hell you can't. No, no, you can't do it. So I show them the video of me absolutely destroying the tires on L5P. They're like, what'd you have to do to do that? And so we get into this conversation about burnouts and they go, I wonder if you could do a burnout in D006. I'm like, hell yeah, I could do a burnout in everything. They're all, yeah, but it's a stick. I'm like, so? So they said, come pick up the keys in the morning. You and Steve should go do a burnout and prove to us you can do it. And I'm like, that's your development truck. That was the very first uh, manual transmission, and it has a new 5.9-24 valve in it. Right. And so um, they said, yeah, go go do it. So Steve and I took it out. So what you hear in the video is uh, I had to clutch drop it in second because first was too low. Okay. So then I shifted up to third once we got going and slowed it down, then power braked it. And we just did this gnarly one-wheel burnout, and Steve and I were laughing and cheering when we were done. And D006, lighten it up. Then we got the hell out of there. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Well, that was nice. That's all right. Yours was sharp. Like, yeah. it wasn't a, uh. Yours was sort of a soft it was, floater. Yeah, a floater. <laughs> but yours was like, uh. Yeah. It was hard and like mm. sharp. It's like a square wave. You know what I mean? Mine yeah, was more yeah. of a smooth sine wave. A little bit. Yours was right. Uh, sharp, sharp corners. Yeah, I just felt we weren't in tune. Maybe that's true. Yeah. Do you think that uh, the C20, the 66 would do a burnout? Come yeah. On. Yeah, you could totally do a burnout in that thing. Hmm. It'd be probably a one wheel also. <laughs> you don't have a positive in the back of that thing, do you? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, we could totally do a burnout. Okay. Positive. Especially if you don't have a posi. Yeah. You know what's funny is I asked them, I'm like, are you sure you want me to clutch dump this thing? And they're like, <laughs> hey, it's uh, it's one wheel, dude. You're not going to break anything. I'm like, I don't want to drop a drive shaft. They go, hey, it's brand new drive shaft. They go, I don't want to mess up your clutch. They go, brand new clutch. I'm like, are you seriously? Dude, this is a piece of history. And they're like, here, go go at it. Go do a burnout. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, I haven't clutch dumped a burnout in so long. I, like maybe, I don't know. When was the last time we had a vehicle that was two-wheel drive that had a clutch that I would have tested that we would have, I mean, I, I don't, don't remember. The manual. Yeah. I mean, it's been a decade. Not on this show. That's for damn oh, sure. Oh, no. I mean, I'm thinking maybe like Ram SRT10 back in the day was maybe the last time I did a, a a burnout in a manual huh. truck. Yeah, it was fun. I was like, oh, man, I still got it. <laughs> so, Holman, what is new in trucks? Well, as a lot of you have heard, there uh, there's some new news in magazines. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a sad day. Uh, we announced that we're going to be uh, closing down 19 of our 22 magazines. It'll be four- How is we- that not a sad well, day? Hold on. Four-wheeler, Motor Trend, and Hot Rod will live on, so we still have some of the core magazines. Um, but I know a lot of people were up in arms online, but the reality is is they weren't buying magazines anymore. Right. And so it's hard for- I like, I'm an old-school magazine guy. I love magazines. I want to do more magazines. But the reality is people aren't consuming the media that way. No, so, it's funny that you say that because Stephen um, at my office was very disappointed. And I'm like, 
do you have a copy? And he goes, well, no. I, I said, when's the last time you read one? Well, I have. I go, so you you can't bitch about it. Exactly. You weren't supporting it. You, you needed to have go to like your local CVS or Walgreens totally. or Target and buy a magazine. Well, and it was That's like, what supported it. And without doing that, it's- And everybody's saying print is dead. Print's not dead. It's just, it's, you know, it's a tough business to be in. It's evolving. And so we're evolving with it. Um, we're still you know, gonna... print, print is a receding hairline. <laughs> yeah, well, print is my head right now. Uh, listen, it's uh, it's not going away. It's going to be less, but the magazines that are less. I think we're going to be able to do better because we'll be able to focus on in my group one magazine instead of six. Uh, we're going to have a you know core group of guys and and ladies that that work on the magazine every month, and then the rest of it's going to be instant content online that you're going to be able to read every single day. You're not going to have to wait a month for the next round of content. And most people consume our stuff online anyway. So we've been doing digital for a long time, and uh, we're going to be rebuilding fourwheeler.com, and and we just put a new back end in. We have one of the fastest uh, page load times out of any of our competitors. So there's a lot of cool stuff coming. This is the this isn't the end. This is the beginning of what we're going to do. And I appreciate everybody who reached out and was sad about magazines and the ones that are going away. I personally, super bummed out. I mean, that's how I started my job. When when I was a kid, I had 13 or 14 monthly subscriptions because I love magazines so much. That's where your allowance went. That, 100%. And so I had them all. So it's a big part of me. But I also know that when I started, we started out on light tables with loops and film. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how we put ma- pictures in the magazine. We had to evolve to digital and use. Digital I thought you cameras. were using a uh, a feather and a. Uh, oh, that was a, to write. Quill, the, that right? was to write the story. I got it. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. But you think of all the technology that's happened in the last twenty years, and you think about where things are going, and and you know, part of for anybody who's upset about the magazines and oh, it's going to be digital only and blah blah blah. Well, think of the podcast as sort of a digital magazine. That's kind of what we're doing here. The podcast, in a lot of ways, is replacing what the magazine used to be. And so it's just a different way of consuming content. Yeah, you may not have you know, your favorite of the physical pieces of paper, but the content will be online and the people you love will still be around. And, and the brands you like will still be represented in MotorTrend.com, HotRod.com, and FourWheeler.com. So as much as it sucks to, to hear... I think the reality is we all knew that it was coming in some form or another at some point, and we've been able to prepare ourselves. And I think we're going to be able to deliver to the audience a, a better product than maybe what we could with the resources and being so you know split up trying to do a little bit of everything. So I, I'm not I'm sad to see it go, but it's not the end of the world. And uh, you know the things you still love, I think will will still be here for you. I guess is it is it any different than those people who were around when vinyl was really big and vinyl went to uh, you know. CD and then CD went no, away. And it's the exact same thing. We all have to evolve so we can stay relevant. If people were still loving magazines they were when I started 20 years ago, we would be rolling in it. I mean, I remember magazines that made over a million dollars a month. Yeah. Trucking when I started was making over a million dollars a month. I remember when trucking used to be over 300 pages. Four, uh, the biggest issue I have, I think, is 440 something. And that was on the good paper, too. Yeah, those weren't like was, those super thin. Uh, June, no, July of. 2003, I think. Yeah. I have the, or August of two, somewhere around there. I have the biggest issue we ever put out. Maybe 434, something like that. It's What's on the cover? Uh, I remember it being sort of a, uh, like a, was it a sunset or there's an F-150 with orange. I remember orange and blue on the cover. I don't remember mm-hmm. what the cover is. All right. So the bottom line is the content lives on and it's digital and it's good. I, well, I mean, I'd like to think it's good. It is good. Yeah. That's how we also have jobs. <laughs> no, but- don't just. That's not the real reason. The reason it's freaking good, and you've got a no, lot. No, I mean I'm going to fire everybody who doesn't know how to write good content. <laughs> is what I mean. That's how we have a job. You got to do good stuff. Exactly. No, it's the. It's listen. It's the new digital world. 
you've all been living in it since your iPhones came out in 07, and we've been working toward this point. So we're just uh, moving right along Is with that digital. the year it was, 07, that 07, iPhones came yeah. out? Mm-hmm. You're right. What was before the iPhone? I mean, it was BlackBerry. I mean, it was, yeah, BlackBerry, Motorola, Razors. Remember the Razor? God, do you remember surfing the internet on your BlackBerry? It was so horrendous. Yes, yes. Remember how it would render and it'd be so slow? Yeah. Then they came out with the trackball. And, and the first iPhone didn't haul no, ass. No, it didn't. You know? I had that one. Yeah. I waited in line that day, and I went the very first day I got my iPhone, the very first day they came out, I went to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I was walking around with my iPhone, and all these people were like, dude, is that an iPhone? So I was like pulling it out in line for like Space Mountain. <laughs> of course and, you were. It was awesome. I have one of those. I think I have one of every generation. Yeah, I have most of them. Yeah. And then, how many people are like that then that it was, kept them all? Remember it was Edge, and it wasn't 3G until the second model? Yeah. Uh, you know what though? Because now they have the trade-in program, so I don't have like I had a five and a I just turned yeah, in my seven. Yeah, so. I turned in my ten for my eleven pro. Yeah, they're not as the classics. Yeah, the ones with all the rounded corners. Those yeah, are the ones you keep. Well, I like those. Feel, felt good in the hands. The new ones that are eh. Yeah, I mean the four was a good one, but the square edges. I still like the way the uh, the the lozenge felt in my hand yeah. of the original and the three. But 3G. you know, I'm uh, I've always been a fan of the big ones. That's what she said. <laughs> All right, moving right along. <laughs> hey, did you hear that uh, Acura? You Wait, you have to say, hey, did you hear, and then pause, and I say no. Oh, hey, did you hear? Nope. No. Acura restomodded an old SLX uh, SUV for uh, Radwood. Oh, that is, uh, that's awesome. Okay. I did see the photo. So basically, if you remember, for a while, Honda had a tie-up with Isuzu, so the original Honda Passport was a Isuzu uh, Rodeo, mm-hmm. and the Acura was a Trooper. They had the Acura SLX, which was okay. like a big SUV. Well, they took uh, the mechanicals from a modern RDX with Acura super handling all-wheel drive and shoved it into an old SLX and basically made this badass, you know, just perfect for Radwood. Except for the SLX is still ugly today. No, it's rad. It's so is cool. It, is it retro in a good way? Yeah, it's it's you awesome. So? Yeah, and so the uh, super handling SLX is a tribute to the brand's first SUV uh, using a modern two-liter turbocharged i4, a 10-speed automatic gearbox, and super handling all-wheel drive from the third-generation RDX, and it blends uh, Radwood's typical 80s and 90s nostalgia with modern Acura technology. Now, wait a minute. Does this legitimize Radwood? Is that uh, yeah, of course? That- well, soon, as soon as corporate uh, people are getting interested in doing stuff for it, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Radwood was just uh- Rad. Oh, I know. You haven't been, right? I went no, to the last one. It was, you did. It, was, it was cool up, up the Peterson. But it felt like kind of a big stunt for a bunch of show-offs. Yeah. And um, now, this is interesting that uh, it's legit when a manufacturer gets involved. Well, it's cool because if you look underneath, it looks totally OE. What they did was um, it has a ladder frame, but obviously the RDX is you know based on a unibody car platform. Um, but they took new front and rear subframes and welded them to the original box ladder frame to carry all the powertrain bits, and a new multi-link uh, rear suspension took the place of the old solid rear axle, so it's all independent. And it's funny like how narrow and tall those things were, but they made it so this thing would handle. And uh, they painted it in Acura's modern performance red, which you might remember, like the uh, NSX is available in that color. It's that really vibrant like laser red color. Yep. And they put it over a champagne silver for the bumper so it has that like 90s two-tone. <laughs> it's just awesome. So uh, the interior received reupholstered Milano leather seats. Um, they basically- What is Milano leather? Any idea? I have no idea. They I'm, just put I'm it in probably there? Probably one grade better than Napa. Well, but you're going to put it in there like we should all know. It's in the press release. Go ahead. They don't tell you what the- <laughs> They could just make up a word. 
Mulatto leather. Don't look at me like that. I want to know what freaking Mulatto then is. Then you have Google. But I'm sitting here on the sound effects waiting to play. That's what she said. I know you are, and I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> anyway, so the interior was reupholstered, and uh, there's gray, dark gray wood accents in it. But what's kind of cool is the center console has the Acura digital shifter, like where the cup holders used to be. Ah. But it looks all like really well integrated. Um, and then the, the uh, uh, instrument cluster has like a, a newer, kind of like a screen that has multifunction display. It's it's pretty badass. What I, do you suppose that Acura gets out of this? I mean, so everyone goes, oh, look, Acura's got a sense of humor. Like, what I, do they yeah, gain I, out of I it? I think they get people on the podcast or people from magazines or people from digital websites paying attention to the brand and going, oh, yeah, I remember them. Yeah. I mean, right? Because Acura is so irrelevant right now, aren't they? I don't think they're irrelevant. I think they have some pretty awesome cars. Um their RL's never been anything really to go crazy, but the TL's always been a great car. I'm not saying it's not. I mean, it's Honda. Like, it's, we know the quality is great, but it's just kind of... Yeah, their SUV Meh. lineup's been pretty good. Meh. Meh. I don't know. I think uh, I think there's plenty of people who would disagree with you on that. I mean, my father bought the uh, the big SUV, the Acura, yeah. and uh, fell asleep driving it. It was the so M- boring. The MDX? It was, yes. It was so freaking boring. Yeah, and he- uh, And let me tell you, uh-huh. he called me one day and he goes- I'm asleep I'm, at the wheel. I'm, he says, I'm currently sleeping. He says, training in the car. I go, because you're bored to death of it? And he says, yep. I'm bored. It's so boring. No, they're not bad. The uh, my dad has had an MDX and RDX, both great cars. Now your dad plays in a rock band. Yeah, and he's the singer. And is he a guitarist or bass yeah, player? Guitarist. He can play guitarist. bass as well. Yeah. But how that doesn't jive with boring car? Uh, it has enough uh, room for his band equipment. But it's okay. Huh. All right. All right, moving right along. The uh, remember the Shelby F one fifty Super Snake Sport that we talked about from SEMA. Yes, the one with seven hundred and seventy horsepower. Yes, the one that hits zero to sixty in uh, oh a cool three point five seconds. <laughs> oh my, that's that is almost ridiculously fast. That's almost Tesla ludicrous mode fast, it's, right? Yeah, it's stupid. Like within probably half a second, which is still another yeah. level of it's a Nissan GTR fast. Yeah. I mean, that's fast. Launch control. Oh. So uh, pricing came out, and it will be available from dedicated Ford dealers starting that. Can you guess? Uh, let me guess here. I'm going to say, oh, this is a tough one. I'm going to say 6750 Yeah, you're not even close. Really? $86,085 ah. uh, for the naturally aspirated truck. A supercharger will bring the price to $93,385. But if you look at the world of 3.5 second uh, 0 to 60 performance, uh-huh. probably a bargain, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. And okay. They're, they're going to limit it to just 250 units for 2020, and it's a regular cab short box, like the five and a half foot short box. So it's super stubby. I mean, dude, sport truck's coming back. I'm telling you. Coming back. This, this no, I'm telling thing. you. No, I told you. Are you telling me or am I telling no, you? No, I'm telling you, You're pal. telling me? Telling you. Okay. Hey, did you hear? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, about the uh, about the twenty one Chevrolet Tahoe and Suburban. Wait, the, so yes, I did hear. What did you hear? I heard that they are coming out with a new three liter Duramax diesel engine. Uh, nope. Oh no! What are they coming out with? <laughs> well, that is no longer a new engine because you can get it in the half ton Silverado. Well, I, I, but it's, it's new for them. Making is what I an meant. appearance in the uh, Tahoe and Suburban. Yes. Okay. I'm excited um, about that. I uh, want to go through the uh, top 10 things that are different between uh, the new and the old. I would like you to, yes, because I'm a big fan of the Tahoe. We had one in 07. 
dropped on a McGoy's uh, spindle kit. Uh, I think it was like a 2-3 drop. And it was a 3-2 or 2-3? Because you go further in the back than the front, right? So it's a 2-3 drop? No, you go less in the back, further oh, in so, the front. So it's a 3-2 drop? No, it's further in the front, less in the back. Okay, so 2-3 drop. <laughs> I just like watching you struggle. I just didn't know. I'm, it's, it's, it's late and I'm tired. Hey, so we had that remember, on a set the, of 24s. The front is always lower than the back because of cargo carrying. Yeah, that's right. You go more in the back. But we had the air suspension, which was super cool. And it was uh, all- Air was, suspension or was it Magnaride? Was it air? Air, air suspension, because it had a compressor. Really? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Oh, interesting. Yep, put a trailer on it, it would sag and then pump itself up. Cool. So um, we live in a in a town that's surrounded by Long Beach called Signal Hill. We did at the time. And my wife was rolling. It was all white, blacked out windows and black 24-inch wheels. And she would get pulled over every two to three weeks and asked if her husband was a drug dealer. Yeah, I would imagine. I was wondering how many people ran up to the car asking her for bags. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know it when I built it that that was kind of the white back then in 07 yeah. that a white. Oh, yeah, that was, a, that was the baller uh, the baller machine. Yeah, it was. Playa. And she uh, curbed, Don't hate the play, hate she the game. curbed every wheel. Ugh. And it sucked. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough. I stopped Why don't they design that? curbs that aren't vertical that are laid back a little bit? It's a good idea. Yeah, five degree back just so you don't. No, they are. Not they're, all they're, of them. They're, I mean, they're a couple degrees. Ugh, you hit it hard enough. enough. Yeah. 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 yeah, so I just started getting really tall tires. Yeah, that's horrible. Really high-profile tires. Uh, well, there's uh, improvements to uh, the V8 and dynamic fuel management and more horsepower. So uh, power is uh, carryover for the 5.3, which is 355 and 383. Uh, but for the 6.2, you get 420 horsepower and 460 pound-feet of torque. Stout. Uh, no fuel economy yet. Um, there is the new Duramax diesel engine, so 277 and 460. The uh, engine is rated up to 33 mile per gallon on the highway, so it should be pretty close in the uh, in the Tahoe at least. Uh, 10-speed automatic transmission, which we love. Uh, for 2021, the 10L80 is the only option. It now has a push-button gear selection on the console, so no hmm. more shifter. Don't know if people will like that or not. I'm more of a fan of uh, a, a column shifter, or I like the knob on the RAM. But uh, push, I mean, push button's but not a favorite. How much different is the push button versus the you know the the uh, uh, Rotary, like the ram. Well, the rotary you can just find with your hand, and you kind of know where you are. The push mm-hmm. button is just like you have to find the button. Well, I guess it all yes, depends on know. how. Have you seen the button? Do they yeah. do they show it? Yeah, it's right here. Let me see what it looks like here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you would that you might fumble a little bit with that. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Uh, another change is uh, independent rear suspension. So uh, just like the Expedition or the Nissan uh, Armada. Uh, they have eschewed the solid rear axle for independent, so it means a lower load height. The floor's down lower. And uh, they're saying something like 60% more cargo space because of it, uh, better handling, and wait, better wait, 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 wait. Don't gloss over that. 66% more cargo space? Yeah, something like that, I believe, in a, in a suburban? suburban. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a cavern. Well, uh, because- Dude, one of my favorite- Have you ever owned, owned, owned a suburban? Uh, I have not, but I've been in many. I have- uh, So we had one My favorite one was my in... grandparents' 89 454 fuel-injected GMC suburban, uh, two-wheel drive, that I, when I first got the Magazine World, towed all my projects around with, and I love that truck. We had one in 07, so we traded in the 07 Tahoe and got- in, in, Upgraded into an 09, it was an 09 or a 10, I think it was an 09 suburban four wheel drive. Put it up on 20 inch wheels before they came with all 20 inch wheels, mm-hmm. right? Um, and some, uh, some off road tires. That was one of the favorite. I love that vehicle so much. That thing was so badass. Plenty of power with the 5.7. Why'd you sell it? 
Uh, it was a lease we traded in. My uh, wife just she's on eternal lease. Yeah, the program. Yeah, where my every wife two years, is a leaser as well. I'm a buyer. She's a leaser. Yeah, it just stinks. I'm not uh, a fan of that, but yeah, well, I guess it's kind of cool because I get to experience no. more cars. Well, but not only that, but you just get renting a, a car. No, 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 that's fine because it's a brand new car every couple of years, which means they're not worried about tires or brakes or batteries or maintenance. And she's not calling you. I broke down on the side of the road. It's true. So you know that's a peace of mind thing right there. Uh, because of the IRS, you get more rear seat leg room, and uh, there's a gain of more than 10 inches of leg room for third row passengers. The second row gained three inches of leg room. There's increased cargo space, as we mentioned, uh, something like 66% more space. Uh, the SUV gets a brand new interior that's totally uh, specific to the SUV. There's a standard 10-inch touchscreen, uh, but unlike the 12-inch RAM that is a portrait, this is a landscape, but pretty awesome to see uh, screens. Also, screens available on the uh, back of the headrest as well, but big screens. They look like uh, iPads hanging off the back. Hmm. Uh, magnetic ride suspension returns. <gasps> which is Magnets! Cool. Uh, it says, uh, <laughs> yes. You know what? That's what we should have pulled. We should have pulled that clip for yes. our favorite. We should have. Yeah. I don't Episode even 100, that, I don't even know where that one is. Magnets. It's in the uh, something Raptor and Raptor Shocks. Hmm. Live valve. Magnets. Uh, anyway, these active shock absorbers process data uh, at an alarmingly quick rate and adjust on the fly. They can be optioned with either steel coil springs or four corner air suspension. So, Does air it suspension say how many samples makes. per second? Uh, not in this particular piece. Okay. Uh, so, air suspension makes the uh, makes a return, and it can lower the vehicle by two inches for easy entry, or raise it by two inches for off road ground clearance, and it'll automatically lower an inch while on the highway for better aero. Uh, both the air suspension and magnetic ride control are class exclusives. And uh, there's also three new trims. So in 2020, you could order a Tahoe and LS, LT, and Premier. There are a handful of packages like RST and Z71 and Custom, uh, but those were just three trims. Now for 2021, you can order your Tahoe and LS, LT, RST, Z71, Premier, or High Country. When did the L- uh, the SLT go away? A long time ago. Did it? Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm old. Uh, RST and Z71 go from packages to dedicated trim levels, and High Country gets added if you're familiar with Silverado. Uh, the same level of luxury that you could expect in the pickup truck. That's is pretty now, cool. Yeah, is yeah. now in the uh, in the SUV. Uh, what's interesting is the Z71 looks super mean. Uh, lifted red tow hooks, uh, high clearance bumpers, and a big old grill on it. It's actually pretty cool looking. Uh, excited to know more about the Z71 package down the line. And uh, also the RST package will end up being, you know, more of that sport-oriented deal like they have now, uh, which is not a cheap truck. I want to say we had a uh, Tahoe RST that was somewhere north of 80. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So uh, pricing's not out yet, but uh, we'll let you know when it I is. remember when I got our Tahoe, it was fully loaded. I mean, absolutely everything we could get in it. And I think we paid like... 61 and that and that it, seems it, like, oh my god that broke the bank for me that still oh seems my high, though. lord it was that was so much money for me i think i'm still in debt today because of that it's like it was like a college loan wow <laughs> that's uh that sucks we've rolled over the negative equity uh, all the way into volkswagens uh, so my wife she went through like a, a volkswagen phase dude why i god for oh i don't know well she got rid of the volkswagens then decided she wanted another american car so yeah. she got a malibu and then she got like all these oh bizarre, back in the booth yeah she got a freaking malibu we were, we were separated for yeah. a while so she didn't have the the income that she needed so she just stepped down into a boot and then uh it was just uh, just a, she had a slew of like awful cars. Have you noticed that and, uh, you seem to have made bad car choices in your life, and everybody associated with you? No. What are you talking about? 
If you're still paying off your 07... I was kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. I'm not... No, Check it on you. Yeah, totally kidding. Uh-huh. No. He's winking right now. His I'm not winking. Why I'm... are your toes crossed? No, no, no. We're good. We're good. Right. She got a smoking deal on her Telluride. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Hey, how about the uh, Mahindra? The Roxor? The one that looks like an old CJ5? Yeah, wants, wants to be a Jeep but can't get uh, any actual certification to be on the road. That one? Uh, Well, that's not really how that happened. So oh, really? It seems to me that way. Well, you don't know the whole story. No, I don't. Uh, so Mahindra tried to enter the U.S. market with her diesel pickup truck a while Oh, yeah. Back. Jeep slapped him around. Nope. That's uh, not, that didn't happen either. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, and so the diesel pickup never <laughs> never came here. Can I just make <laughs> yeah, up some more stuff? Making, yeah, you, you're a historical revisionist. <laughs> so what happened is- uh, Rock, I'm taller. <laughs> uh, Mahindra brought the Roxor over. It's an Indian manufacturer that has a license to create Jeeps in, uh, in India. And they apparently said, hey, can we enter the uh, the market here in the U.S.? And they said, no. And we will sell it as a side-by-side and not an over-the-road vehicle in order to make that agreement. And something soured. And so a uh, federal judge ruled Mahindra's Roxor vehicle infringes on the Jeep Wrangler copyright. An administrative lo- uh, law judge recommended an order preventing Mahindra from manufacturing, making parts, and selling the Roxor in the United States, which they do in uh, Auburn Hills, just in the shadow of uh, Fiat Chrysler automobiles. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. The ruling was outlined in a 96-page decision uh, last month. So the Roxor now can no longer be so, manufactured and or sold in the so U.S.? FCA filed a complaint with the International Trade Commission in 2018 saying the Roxor infringes on the Jeep's brand intellectual property. Mahindra originally had licensed to build a vehicle similar to the Jeep Willys in 1949 in India. Mahindra began building the Roxor in the United States in 2018. If you look at uh, Mahindra Thar... That is basically the Indian version of the vehicle that is a direct descendant of the Jeeps that were built in India back uh, at the end of World War II. Um, And Mahindra began building the Roxor in the United States in 2018. While not street legal, the Roxor is marketed as a side-by-side for off-road use only, but FCA claims the grill, hood, and round headlights on the Roxor resemble the Jeep Wrangler model. Uh, Mahindra did fire back at FCA's claim, saying it has a long-standing agreement with FCA that dates back to 2009, when the country renewed its license for the Indian market. Hmm. Uh, the next step for FCA is to ask the United States International Trade Commission to confirm Judge Elliott's ruling, and then goes through a 60-day review period before the commission ultimately makes a decision. Wow, so that means they have to shut down the factory, pull all the inventory Everything. out. Yeah. That, I mean, when, if if when, it goes through, and there's a ton of people who work there. I, your I, term, though, sour, went, something went sour. Like, it went, like, not just pucker sour, like, like, it, that's bad. Yeah, so I don't know what changed at FCA if somebody who approved this deal and then they moved on and somebody else came in and went, well, hell no, well, or th- what? We had this conversation a dozen episodes ago where we were talking about the Roxor, and I was asking you, how would Jeep allow this? Because to me, I know it's classified as a side-by-side, but, dude, it looks like a Jeep. It, there, it, it is it, a Jeep. It's, I understand it, it's that. It's a direct descendant, you know, as it's a cousin. I understand that. Yep. And, and, and to market it as a uh, a side-by-side, uh, you missed the trash can, by I the did. way. I did. It, not even close. No, it bounced off the rim, so yeah. it was close. Uh, I guess it was close. Yeah. Okay. And then it took two bounces on the floor, if you heard that. Is <laughs> that what they call a near miss instead of a near hit? Uh, that would be uh, uh, making it adjacent. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no control on the quality. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so- Just like this podcast today. Yeah. The thing is, is that the Jeep can go off-road. Any Jeep can go off-road. Yes. So the, it is competition. It's direct competition. And you can uh, you can go off road, well, and then on. you can go on road well, again, on. where the Mahindra can't. Well, and they look no, identical. you're wrong. What do you mean I'm wrong? Because you could license a UTV in Arizona, so you can get a license for them. 
add headlights and turn signals. Oh, so think about the states that you can do that, right? So the Mahindra Rocksor could end up on the road. And it, I mean, it's pretty badass for what it is. It's your basic steel bodied body on frame, diesel, manual, solid axle, leaf springs. I mean, for what it is, it's pretty bad. And it's small. The Jeeps have obviously gotten way bigger, and there's people who want to build little project vehicles and stuff. This is perfect. Building a rock crawler out of a rock store and starting at, you know, thirteen or fifteen thousand dollars instead of, you know, a TJ or something like that or a JK and have a smaller V. I mean, there's a lot to like about them. But uh maybe, So flash maybe. flash forward uh, you know, five years from now. Yep. Does this push the price, the resale value of the rock store up or down? Uh, I would say up. I would think so, yeah. Will you still be able to get parts and stuff like that? Uh, from India. Mm. I mean, yeah. they, they have a global supply chain. You know, they're available in other parts of the world. So I'm sure somebody will import rocks or parts or something gotcha. like that from Mahindra in India. Um, yeah, so who knows? I mean, it'll be interesting to follow. I always uh, thought it was a cool idea, uh, and I always wondered how they uh, got FCA to agree to it, and yeah. apparently uh, something happens. So who knows? Slapped him around. Uh, did you happen to see that the uh, the old Tesla Cybertruck was out driving around in Nobu in the uh, – in Malibu? No, and but I, I, I read a lot of reports of it. I did not yeah. see it, of course. So it wasn't you, hanging out on Rodeo Drive by Nobu. Yeah, so uh, essentially uh, Elon took it out for a drive and people started taking freak out Instagram videos and stuff now, like that. Now, did it still have uh, two broken windows? Uh, no, they had fixed that. Oh, they did. Time. Yeah, they didn't want to get pulled over. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Apparently, uh, you can take a concept out in California if you have a company car in front and behind, which it did, because it doesn't have mirrors and doesn't have a lot of stuff. Uh, but it was kind of cool to see how brutal that thing looks just driving on the road with other other things. And uh, a lot of the Instagram videos and Facebook videos and social stuff that people were, you know, freaking out when they saw it. It was pretty funny. So, um, I don't know. One step closer, I guess. One step closer to the edge and I'm about to break. <laughs> Are you... I was just uh, quoting a Linkin Park lyric. That's all. I'm just asking you if you were going to buy one of those. I might. <laughs> I might. All right. Well, I mean, um, I just I still don't know how I feel about it. I'm very conflicted, but I, uh, you know, I, you know what I did hmm. is I, I we walked by the club and there was a long line, and uh-huh. I'm like, I'm gonna pay the bouncer twenty bucks to save my spot, and I'm gonna go have a hamburger. Kind of what I did, yeah. Kind of what you I haven't did. circled back to go in the club yet. Not yet. Still enjoying that hamburger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's savory. <laughs> it's Kobe beef. You <laughs> oh, know what I mean? Well, it should be at Nobu. Yeah, although that's sushi. No, yes, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't go there. I went to uh, Umami Burger. That's where I went. Oh, you have way too much money. Oh, no wonder you can afford a Cybertruck. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, why don't we get into some awesome coming stuff? All right, Holman, set the stage for our audience. All right, so uh, Steve Sanders, a.k.a. Dave Danders, mm-hmm. uh, invited me out, said, hey, if you can make it out to Columbus uh, before the end of the year, we have some cool stuff here. This is the first time in the history of Cummins this year, uh, by the way, Cummins' 100th anniversary, that they've had all five of their Indy 500 diesel race cars in one spot, and he wanted me to come see them before they get split up again and go back to their various museums and homes and stuff like that. So I uh, went to the HRC, which is the History and Restoration Center, and spoke with a historian from uh, from Cummins, uh, Bruce Watson. And so that's what this first piece of audio is. And then we we did a ton of other stuff. But um, this one might be a little bit long, but it's really fascinating. If you're a Cummins fanatic, to hear uh, about Clessy Cummins, how he marketed the brand, I think there's some cool stuff in here. All right, so uh, what a treat. Today I'm standing here with uh, Cummins historian Bruce Watson in the HRC, the History and uh, Restoration, Restoration Center. Center here in uh, Columbus, Indiana. And so obviously a lot of our uh, listeners are huge Cummins fans, and we had an opportunity to come out and visit with you guys. And uh, 
I've been here before a couple times. Uh, last time you guys were uh, taking apart a giant uh, truck that was dug out of an oil field, which I actually see over in the corner over there. Uh, you have a row of engines. We should probably talk about some of the interesting things that are here. But let's start with the race cars, because I think the uh, one of the coolest things is all five of Cummins' race cars are now sitting here in the same place at the same time. And that's really never happened before, right? Uh, the first time that, <clears throat> that, sorry, the first time that they all came together would have been uh, in April of this year because of um, the way that parts were cannibalized off of one race car to build another back in the 30s. Um, all five race cars had never existed together as complete cars. Um, so for about two and a half years, there was a restoration effort on uh, car number five, uh, the fifth race car that had been um, cannibalized of its major parts and uh, was left sitting as a frame and a body. And uh, so with that restoration done, all five cars existed together. And then we brought the last car, um, the number eight car, down from the Speedway Museum in Indianapolis. And at that point, all five cars were together for the first time in history. And so we have uh, the 1931 number eight Duesenberg race car, the number five 1934 Duesenberg race car, the uh, number six 1934 Duesenberg race car, and then the number 60 Green Hornet race car from 1950. 61. And then, or excuse me, 61. And then uh, the number 28 Cummins diesel special from 1952. And so each of these cars have an amazing story, um, but I think probably the most special of them would be number eight. Or is that hard to say because it's, it's like hard. choosing a child? It is. It's like choosing. <laughs> I, I feel like it's it, it's like choosing a child. Number eight certainly has um, the longest history and the most colorful history. Um, it was the first diesel race car to to run at Indianapolis. Um, prior to that, it had let it had set a diesel land speed record at Daytona. Um, it ran the entire 500-mile race without a pit stop. First car ever to do that. After the race, um, it was fitted with running boards and headlights and a windshield. <laughs> and a, a um, trunk was mounted on one of the running boards. And it was shipped to Europe and toured all over Europe. Um, there's photos of it setting in front of ruined World War II, or I guess it would have been World War I yeah, wow. ruins. It was taken to Citroen. Citroen was very interested in Cummins engines for their trucks. Um, it went to England. And so he was using a race car to sell truck engines. He was using, yeah, he was using a race car to, to demonstrate that diesel engines like really, really were capable mm -hmm. of running vehicles because Prior to this, diesel engines were thought of as big um, stationary engines sure. for gen sets and water mm -hmm. pumps and, and um, agriculture, agriculture, uh, marine drive, rail drive, that sort of thing. So Clessy was all about, at that time, demonstrating that diesel engines could be used in, in automobiles. And, and Clessy was really a marketer at heart. He, he was all about his brand and, and over the years, whether it was the 1931 number eight Duesenberg race car 
or it was was it a Cadillac that he put a diesel in and drove cross country? That um, that was an Auburn. An Auburn. He, yeah. Okay. Right, and right. drove cross. So he was always out promoting and showing. He he believed in people experiencing diesel and experiencing the vehicles and and took these vehicles all over the world. Um, and it was probably one of the very first early proponents of diesel engine power. Absolutely. So at that time, still, gasoline was kind of considered this exotic fuel. You couldn't just buy gasoline at any street corner. Clessy had had some experience with a boat in his, in his younger years where he ran out of gasoline and, and it set him about um, trying to figure out how to run engines and vehicles on this cheap kerosene or, or home heating oil, whatever you wanted to call it. Um, and so he was all about the economy of running diesel engines. So what was the fuel that powered the, the average car at that time? Was it steam or? I, guess, I guess it was gasoline. Which um, is hard to come by. Harder to come by and much more expensive. Okay. Yeah. So Classy was all about the economy of, of operating vehicles um, that could use diesel fuel or kerosene. So at the end of all these events, whether it was the Indy 500 or, or the cross-country drive, he would brag about how we made this drive on whatever, $1.61 worth of diesel fuel mm. or kerosene. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the, uh, the number eight car and the engine that's in it, because I think people would be really interested to figure out what was state-of-the-art in 1931. So the engine that's in it is a Cummins Model U diesel engine. The Model U, um, through the, the uh, late 20s, was a pretty successful marine drive engine. Um, primarily, in, in the primary market then was um, luxury yachts. With the Depression, that market dried up, and so Clessy put a Model U first in a, a Packard limousine, but then in this Duesenberg race car, this engine is a special version. Um, it's got a lot of aluminum parts, including aluminum heads. And interesting, um, the, the racing heads are three valve per cylinder rather than two valve per cylinder. Uh, two intake and one exhaust? Two intake and one exhaust. Um, it's a four-cylinder engine. It uses the Cummins single-disc fuel system, fuel pump, um, that served Cummins uh, into the 50s until the PT system was developed. It's funny, the, uh, the power on this one, which is normally aspirated, is 85 horsepower at 1800 RPM, but you look at the specs on the car, and this, the car's listed as overall weight is 2800 pounds. Uh, the engine weight's listed as 1500 pounds. <laughs> so literally over half of the vehicle weight is in the engine, and you think about how strong the car has to be, and, and you know, I guess at the Speedway you don't care as much about weight distribution, but um, obviously racing, you, there's a lot of things that come into play, but this was 1931, uh, and today we would say a 2,800 you know, pound race car is fairly light. We would. This a production car, car anyway. This car obviously doesn't have a lot of the features, particularly safety features that modern cars sure, would have, yeah. um, uh, roll structure. And it's and open wheel, obviously, open as well, wheel, too. Yeah. Uh, moving along, next on the line is the number five Duesenberg race car from 1934, and it has the companion number six. And I think the last time these two cars are sitting next to each other, number five is sort of like a, I don't know, what you'd call a periwinkle or something, and the six is a, is a white with blue writing. Last time I had uh, talked to you about these, several years ago, you talked about the number five car had been stretched to fit a six-cylinder. I think it originally had a four-cylinder in it. 
and you've restored it in the state with the six cylinder. So this car, the, well, the, the two cars were both entered in the 1934 Indianapolis 500. At that time, General Motors had begun investing in two-stroke diesel engines, and they were publishing a lot of SAE papers and, and getting a lot of publicity about the virtues of two-stroke diesel engines. And so Clessy and, and Cummins was, I think, under pressure from the investors. I'm, I'm speculating a bit here, but... Um, As the historian, we are gonna allow, <laughs> we're going to allow you that latitude. Well, thank you. <laughs> the foremost um, Cummins expert in the world, we're going to uh, go with that. I, I think there was pressure for uh, Cummins to invest, or at least investigate, two-stroke engines. Classy had run a number of two-stroke engines, research engines, um, for years, and so I think he pretty much knew what what the answer was. Again, he Clessy was kind of a showman, and so um, his approach was to enter both of these cars in the Indy 500, one with a four-stroke engine and one with a two-stroke engine, and we'll we'll let the results then uh, guide our decision. Well, unfortunately, the four-stroke car broke the transmission pretty early in the race. The two-stroke car kind of soldiered on through the race. It, it had, they had to stop and fix the exhaust. They had a coolant leak, a, a radiator fitting. The number five car soldiered on through the race, even had to do a driver change because the driver was burning his foot on the, <laughs> on the side of the transmission housing or the clutch uh, flywheel housing. Jeez. When it was over, um, both engines were disassembled and inspected, and the conclusion was that the four-stroke engine was in much better shape than the two-stroke, and so that, that drove the decision um, for Cummins Future to pursue uh, four-stroke engines rather than two-stroke, and keep in mind that the two-strokes were being pursued by General Motors, so that development turned into the, the long-running um, two-stroke engines from Detroit Diesel, and so for the next 50 years, it was Cummins and Detroit Diesel battling each other with... Like um, Ford and Chevy and Pepsi and Coke. Exactly. Right, right, exactly. But then a year later, the number five car was um, was lengthened by about 10 inches, and a six-cylinder Model H engine was installed in it, and it went... Then they took it to Daytona, and it set a diesel land speed record on the beach at Daytona of 137 miles an hour. And the previous speed, uh, the average speed at um, uh, Indy with the original four-cylinder was 105.9 miles per hour. And on the number eight Duesenberg race car, the 1931 car, it looks like uh, it did 96.8. So just the three years between the cars, and then again, the, the jump in 35, another year with the, uh, the six-cylinder, you're up to 137. That's a huge amount of speed increase in just within five years. It is, yeah. The, things were happening pretty fast then. Um, even if we look at some of the other non-racing Cummins engines, um, in my engineering experience at Cummins, we were on kind of a three-year product cycle because... Um, mainly because it was three-year um, changes in, in emissions levels. But um, those were mostly what we call derivative products, where the base engine design is already done, and we're just adapting it to the new emission standards. 
Um, but back then, they were doing brand new engines in three years, turning them around in three years. So things happened pretty quickly then. That's pretty amazing when you think of all the engineering acumen, no computers, nothing like that, and they're able to have those three-year product cycles. Now, moving down the line to number six, number six is sort of special because it was the very first uh, use of a supercharger, force induction, on a Cummins product, and that was used in production starting in 1937. So, yeah, both of the 1934 cars were supercharged. Um, the two-stroke engine obviously needed to be, um, to be able to scavenge it, but um, when the six-cylinder was put in, the, the supercharger was maintained, <clears throat> and the number six car always had the supercharger. Um, they're driven uh, directly off the front of the crankshaft, so one-to-one uh, -one speed with the, with the engine. Um, and we don't know for sure the numbers. We think they, they, there wasn't a lot of boost pressure. We think they ran maybe, um, maybe 8 to 10 PSI boost pressure. Yeah, that's actually more than I would have expected. I would have expected 3 or 4. So 8 to yeah. 10 is a typical supercharger kit that you might have on an emissions legal car today is probably in that 6 to 8 range. So that's, that, you know, that's a fair amount of boost. On the 1934 number 6 Duesenberg car as well, uh, the average speed was 102 miles per hour. So, so this one broke the century mark. Was it very successful, um, or was that sort of taken over with the number five car having the six-cylinder in it? Well, at Indy, the number six car broke the transmission at the first pit stop. So maybe to back up just a little bit. Sure. Back in 1931, when the number eight car went the whole distance without stopping, I think the fuel quantity that the car could carry was unlimited. Uh, for the 1934 race, diesels could only carry 15 gallons of fuel. So Is that because their fuel efficiency was superior and they wanted to even the playing field? I think even gasoline cars in 34 could carry less fuel. So I think okay. it was an effort by the organizers to just lower the cost, uh, the overall cost of, of racing there. Okay. But with the broken transmission, the car was done and... and um, done for the race and nothing was ever done with it after the race so uh, it, it really didn't get a lot of experience now where was this car was this always in the cummins collection what happened after race was it put out to pasture and you had to find it at some point to restore it or what's the history behind it so it, it did its job in the indy did its thing and then then what so the the cars were um were stored in cummins warehouses that, that i think maybe moved from one place to the other over the year over the years then for cummins 50th anniversary the number eight car was restored uh, pulled out of the warehouse and restored and just to show you how long ago that was we were celebrating cummins 100th anniversary this year yeah yeah <laughs> time flies when you're having fun you know? i mean it's amazing yeah the number eight car was restored uh, for the 50th anniversary when the two cars were built in 1934, one of them used all the running gear and, and uh, transmission, driveline, suspension, axles, brakes. All those parts were moved from the number eight car to one of the 1934 cars. Okay. We don't know which one. Then for the 70, well, so for then for the 50th anniversary, they wanted to restore the number eight car. So they took all the parts from the number six car to restore the eight <laughs> yeah, car. Put it back, yeah. For the 75th anniversary, they wanted to restore the number six car, so they <laughs> took parts from the number five car. <laughs> that kind of left it in the state that, um, that we found it, 
and when we started on it, it was pretty much just a body and, and frame, and we had the, uh, the original six-cylinder engine, the Daytona engine. But also, um, as part of this, for Cummins was, um, well, not sure what the motivation is, but Cummins donated all but the number 28 car to the Speedway Museum, I think in exchange for um, using Speedway Museum resources to restore the cars okay. because Cummins didn't have the resources to, to restore the cars at the time. Got it. So these cars basically uh, proved su supercharging. So supercharging started in 1937 and Cummins would use it through the 60s when turbocharging took over. Moving on to the next car is the 1950 number 61. So there's quite a gap between racing in the 30s to returning and the Green Hornet race car is absolutely gorgeous. It's probably, I mean, again, they're all, they're all pretty amazing. You've driven all of them too. I've driven all of them. I'll, I'll ask you at the end what your favorite one is, but yeah, we'll okay. get through it. So the Green Hornet. Don't, don't expect a straight answer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. This car set six official world records. It used the prototype PT fuel system and the first use of disc brakes at the Indy 500. So there were a lot of firsts that happened. I don't know that everybody realizes Cummins has a really rich history with uh, the Indy 500. So the, the first three cars, the cars from the 1930s, um, that was when Classy Cummins, the founder of Cummins Engine Company, was um, strongly involved, still involved technically, and, and was kind of the chief engineer of the company. He retired and his younger brother, Don Cummins, took over then. And so the, the 1950s race cars were, um, were the effort of, of Don Cummins, Clessy's younger brother. Um, the 1950 car is a, um, it's a Cummins Model J engine, um, an aluminum version of it, uh, supercharged still. 6.6 liters. 6.6 liters. Um, the, the car is a Frank Curtis car, so um, the car was pretty much state-of-the-art at Indianapolis at the time. But even though it's an aluminum version of the engine, it was still heavier than um, the gasoline engines at the time. And so the car struggled a little bit. Um, it qualified on the last row. It didn't finish because it broke the, the drive mechanism to drive the supercharger. Um, but they learned from it. And what they learned was that um, that the heavier and, and taller engine between the extra weight and the higher center of gravity, um, I think the car really didn't handle all that well and, and the performance kind of showed that. The car was actually sold back to Frank Curtis for not much money. I've seen the receipt and I don't remember <laughs> the number. I'm thinking it was like under $2,000 oh, that wow. it was sold back to Frank Curtis. It then, Frank sold it off to one of his customers. I think it had a Cadillac engine installed in it then. And, um, so it's pretty amazing that this vehicle is even surviving and sitting is. in front of us with the um, Cummins engine in so it. So it's the only vehicle, only of the Cummins race cars, only one of the Cummins race cars um, that was out of Cummins hands for any period of time. And um, for the 75th anniversary, again, Cummins wanted to restore this car. They found it, had to buy it back. Um, there was not much more than the frame left. Most of this bodywork had to be made wow. new. And it's all hand-formed aluminum. Um, Junior dryer in Indianapolis made the, all the bodywork for this car. 
So you talked about the higher center of gravity and, and all that on the 1950 number 61 car. That brings us to the 1952 number 28 Cummins Diesel Special, which is probably the race car most people have seen pictures of. It's the really low slung open wheel, red and yellow. Um, probably my favorite, but I think it's my favorite because in 1952, it was the pole winner at the Indianapolis 500 and also the first turbocharged engine to run at Indy. But you also had a lay down chassis uh, and this car is also wind tunnel tested. So there's a lot of first and innovation that happened in this car and it was a culmination of the, the racing program up to this point. And it really is a spectacularly beautiful car. It is. I, I think, yeah, I think it's everybody's favorite from, uh, from an appearance standpoint. I remember seeing the car in the old Speedway Museum when it sat outside of turn one at the Speedway. Uh, when I was, I don't know, maybe in, in uh, junior high or high school, I remember seeing it there. Wow. Uh, it came about because of the lessons that they learned from the 1950 uh, number 61 car where um, the engine had the performance um, that was needed to get the job done, but it was heavy and it had a high center of gravity. I think they reasoned that there really wasn't a lot they could do to reduce the total weight of the engine. Um, it was already aluminum. You could have used a few magnesium parts, but, but you couldn't have made a big impact on the total weight. But they figured that to, to mitigate the, the negatives of this engine, they could um, lay it on its side, and that would get the center of gravity lower and could also offset the center of gravity to the left side of the car, which is always going to help cornering mm -hmm. on a left-hand turning oval. And this one, the driver's offset to the right-hand side of the to car. To the right-hand side. So instead of setting over the drive line like the older cars did, the driver set beside the drive line, beside the transmission. The story was that um, Don Cummins knew that he wanted Freddie Agabation to drive this car, but he hadn't convinced Freddie to do it yet, and that um, he was taking Freddie for a ride in a passenger car around the speedway, around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and that he stopped on the backstretch and got out of the car, and in the trunk of the car, he had one of the old wooden Coca-Cola <laughs> cases that sat about six inches tall. And he took this out of the trunk of the car and turned it upside down on the track and asked Freddie Agavation to sit on that thing. Mm -hmm. And Agabation must have thought he was nuts. It's like, sure. What the, you know, why would I do that? But, <laughs> but he, he did it. He sat on the case. And Don Cummins said, there, how would you like to drive a race car that set that low to the ground? Uh -huh. And that was what convinced Freddie Agabation to drive this car. Wow. And he had a qualifying speed for the pole was 138 miles an hour, just a little bit over, and broke the one and four lap all-time records. However, as competitive as the car was um, in the beginning, it sort of had a rough race. It did. So if you uh, go look at the old videos of the race, uh, a couple of things happened. Uh, one, the, the start was horribly disorganized. The cars didn't maintain order coming as they uh, came off of turn four. Freddie got passed pretty badly early on. Secondly, with the, again, this is first turbocharged car, so there were still issues with, um, with transient response, mm -hmm. with turbo lag and so the car was a bit slow to get picked up and by the time they got to turn one a couple of cars had gotten down inside on on to freddie's left hand side 
And so they were underneath him in the corner. Freddie got pushed up to the second lane, and uh, cars blew by him pretty quickly on that first lap. But um, he got things going and got it settled down, and I think made it up to like seventh or eighth place um, before the turbocharger failed. And so that was because the turbocharger actually was clogged. This is this car breathes to the bottom, right? It does, but keep in mind the 61 car does as well. Oh, interesting, okay. So I just learned not too long ago that the, um, I was visited by a guy from Germany that's, that's like the self-appointed turbocharger historian of the world. <laughs> okay. Uh, he would have to compete with our good friend Gail Banks on that one. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> um, but um, he started telling me about his theory of what, um, the design of this turbocharger and we were able to pull the intake pipe off of it and confirm that it's a it's what they call a shrouded compressor wheel and if you go read up you know about this type of compressor wheel its advantage is that it's very high efficiency its disadvantage is that it's prone to clogging from debris yeah interesting and so it was um a combination, I think, of a of a design that um, was susceptible to debris and an intake system that fed it a lot of debris, and, <laughs> and that was its demise. So the uh, number 28 car is a 6.6 liter, and I uh, think about 1952 for diesel, it was 430 horsepower at 4,500 RPM, which is really incredible if you think about you know, uh, the power band and the flexibility and, and how much RPM you have to use. And that happened all the way back in 1952, which is astounding to me. Um, it really was a remarkable car, just all the way around. So many innovative features. Um, so the, the older cars used the old lever-type shock absorbers. Mm -hmm. This car has the lever-type shock absorbers. They've been modified so that they could be adjusted by the driver in the car. Mm. And then also it has the newer type uh, telescoping shock absorbers. So it's actually two shock absorbers on each wheel, one lever type and one telescoping type. Well, you've driven all five of these and uh, you have some colorful stories about other people driving some of these that we <laughs> probably won't, we probably shouldn't share. Probably shouldn't. <laughs> but but it, they're great. Um, what's your favorite car to drive or what do you like about any of them just you're from you know I, you may be one of the only ones in the world i would imagine that has been behind the wheel of all five i think that's probably right um so the the 1950-61 number 61 car sounds arguably the best of all these it's a six cylinder it doesn't have the turbocharger to muffle the exhaust and I haven't seen it, but it must be an incredibly light flywheel on it because mm -hmm. it revs. When you rev the engine, warming it up, it snaps up like a gasoline. And you don't think does. of a diesel with a light flywheel? No. At all? No. no. <laughs> so that's pretty but, cool. Um, it revs really nicely, and it sounds great. The 1952 car sounds really good, but it's muffled a bit by mm -hmm. the turbocharger. It's the more modern um, cars so that that in some ways uh, makes it more attractive the number six car has ended up with the rear axle ratio 
that was in the number five <laughs> when it set the record at Daytona. It is a 1.5 rear axle Oh my ratio. gosh, oh geez, okay. <laughs> so um, the way the car is set right now, it's actually capable of going the fastest because the others have had their gearing reduced to kind of parade speed. Sure. I was able to drive. Well, we were talking it. about that earlier, and I'm totally fine with that because it allows you to get these cars out there in front absolutely. of people. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes them so much easier to drive. Sure. The six car is really hard to launch because of that uh, yeah. that axle ratio. Um, I was able to drive it on on the vintage car days at the speedway, and uh, got it up to about 70, and it started to get a little front end wobble, so I just backed off. So, to call it quits, so back yeah. in the day, they had riding mechanics. Did you have they a riding did. mechanic with you? I did not, you? no. <laughs> so maybe no. the ballast was off. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I can always blame it on that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for walking us through all the race cars. It's, like I said, it's a, it's a real treat. Uh, looks like we have a couple of the old Cummins development trucks. I think we'll, uh, we'll walk over there. And then also, you've got just a line of, of engines here. Before you head over the, the D00 trucks, what's significant in this row of engines that, that might... Uh, impress uh, a truck enthusiast? Well, we have, uh, we've tried to, to collect an example of um, pretty much every significant step through Cummins history. I think what might catch a, a truck enthusiast, though, is to think about that this number five race car has a very early model, six-cylinder model H engine. Sure. So that engine was built in 1932, I believe. We found the build records for it. That's a model 80, H. 88 years ago, something yeah. like that? I mean, just yeah. unbelievable. So that is a model H engine, which then was revised, and they sold it as an HR. And, and this is the beginning of uh, the Cummins alphabet soup for, for naming <laughs> engines that existed for a number of years. Then, you know, a supercharger was put on it, so it became the HS. Then there was a new version of it done, which became the NH, new H. Then, of course, that was supercharged, so that was an NHS. And then it was turbocharged, so there was an NT. <laughs> And this went on through the big cam series to end up as the N14. So just as small block Chevys started, sure. you know, they were modified and improved yep. over the years and over the years. The same thing happened with the H engine. So that design that started in the early 1930s was still in production as the N14 in emission certified in North America in 2000. That's amazing. It is. That, that an engine so old was so forward-thinking that it would be able to pass emissions testing in 2000, you know, 70-something years after the initial design. Yeah, and there are some quotes from Classy Cummins when the design was done in the 30s. The designer was um, a guy named Knudsen, and Classy commented that he knew that Knudsen would put so much margin in this engine that it could be you know, Viable improved so and, and survived for so long. Wow. I don't think, I think if you would have asked Clessy, so, so long, like into the 2000s, <laughs> yeah. I don't think Clessy would yeah. ever believe that it could last that I long. I mean, that had to be one of the best investments the company absolutely. ever made. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, it's what put Cummins on the map as a, as a heavy-duty truck engine manufacturer. All right, so speaking of heavy-duty trucks, there's one other truck that's in here that's really special that uh, we haven't touched upon. And the last time I saw it, 
it was a oily, muddy, dirty, filthy mess. And now it's pretty clean and the engine is actually out of it now. And it, it was an old international, I guess, oil field truck. And you guys had, uh, had uh, was it a customer founded an oil field and said, hey, I've got this thing in here? No, what was the story it, about there, that? there were two cousins. One of them still lived on the farm up in South Dakota. The other one lived in Reno. And the, the cousin from Reno contacted us and said, hey, my cousin and I have this old farm truck. And the last Cummins mechanic that worked on it said it was the oldest Cummins engine he'd ever seen. My cousin wants to bury it. He was, gonna <laughs> di- he was literally going to dig a hole and bury it. Like a loved one. Like a loved one, very good. Over up under the old oak tree. <laughs> that would have had could, to be a hell of a hole, by could, the way. If you could see the hillside that it was on, it, it's exactly, it's, if, if it was an old West movie, it's yeah. exactly where you would where bury it. Where would've you would be. Yeah, yeah, tall grass growing. <laughs> said, before we, uh, we bury it, we thought we would offer it to you guys. So we asked him if they could find the serial number. He found the serial number, and we dug up the build records and found out that the engine was built in uh, late 30s, early 40s, I don't remember for sure. But we thought, yeah, why not? Let's go go get it. So I took a a ram and a flatbed trailer and drove up there. And so the frame's been cut. The rear axle was just cut off of it because they needed it for something else. It's got a Mack front axle under it. It's been, the frame's been lengthened. The the cab doesn't match the grill, doesn't match the hood. Nothing, nothing. It is not a numbers matching vehicle. No, no. It was a farm vehicle, and it was do whatever you need to do to get exactly. it back to work. They, they, the cousins talked about hauling grain with it, yeah. and then it had, Perhaps it, the only thing that was uh, constant throughout this truck's life was the Cummins engine. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I went up to get it, and fearing that it, I had no idea how we were going to load this thing. It, it, the rear axle's been cut off. Sure. Um, but the guy had a, a, a wheel loader, a front end loader, and he brought the, the bottom of the bucket right up and just tucked it under that front uh-huh. cross member mm-hmm. and took chains from the top of the bucket <laughs> down to the frame of the truck on just below the flywheel and just tipped the thing back that and took it. it over and set it on a trailer and Easy as that. we strapped it down and off we went. So what did you find when you got into the engine? What, is there anything significant about the engine? Well, we were hoping it would be one of those that, you know, you squirt some oil down yeah. the cylinder. It fires right back. Up. Yeah. Um, one of the cylinders was seized up so bad that that wasn't going to happen. Okay. So we pulled the heads, put, we pulled the engine out and pulled the heads off and, uh, it's kind of set for a while with us trying to figure out what What's we really next? ought to do. Yeah. But, and, and we're still not sure what to do with the truck. But under any scenario, we wanted to rebuild the engine. So we've yeah. just started that process, and we'll, we'll see where it takes us. All right. Well, we will uh, check back with you uh, when that thing is running. Really appreciate you walking us through, uh, well, really, almost 100 years of Cummins history. 100 years of Cummins history, yeah. This, this is, uh, we'll take some pictures, but this isn't really a place that's open to the public, right? This is sort of a, a company thing and invite only. So this is a real treat for us. Well, I'm glad you guys could come here. Um, we don't try to hide it, but we just don't have the resources to make it sure. open to the public. So um, it is what it is right now. All right. Well, we'll share it with as many Cummins fans as possible and, and let them know the story. And, um, you know, obviously we've only scratched the Cummins history and uh, we'll have to come back and, and do some more another time. All right. You're welcome to come back anytime, Sharon. Right. Thanks, Bruce. 
That's really special, dude. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I've I've had a chance to work with Bruce a few times over the years, and uh, when when he uh, invited me back to the HRC, it was awesome. Not not only to see the progress of some of the projects I had seen in the past. Um, but to see all five of the Cummins race cars, I know the Cummins race cars isn't necessarily trucks, but they're so steeped in the 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 you know. Well, I wonder how Cummins, many people uh, that are fans of Cummins don't know that they had race cars. Exactly, and how the Cummins brand came to be. It's part of the mythology, I guess, is what I was trying to say. Right, that it's something any Cummins fan should really understand how Clessy marketed the cars and how diesel came to be and how the Cummins name became synonymous with power and reliability and then how it became the workhorse for so many trucks, which is where we were today. In the beginning, he was putting them into cars and driving around the country to to, to show the benefits of diesel fuel economy and all that kind of stuff. So having a chance to go there and see that, plus catching up on the history of that old oil field truck um, and just, you know, Bruce is the guy, the foremost expert in, in Cummins history. It's one of those things where you know you usually you and I interject when we're going through these things. And you're asking, no, I felt like it was uh, jewelry I didn't want to touch. Yeah, I didn't want to tarnish know, the silver. Just just let Bruce go because he's got so much interesting stuff to say. And you know, much like Gail or, or some of our other guests, listening to Bruce tell the stories just is it, it's such a treat. I know I say that a lot, but it is. And I was just uh, uh, so uh, happy and excited to be there and just. A wash in Cummins history, you know, it was like, it was just very special moment. Who takes over that position at at uh, some point? I don't know. I mean, Bruce, will need Bruce has to. been there a lot of years, so I don't know when he's retiring. But I know he loves his job, and and you know, uh, he just the guy is a wealth of Cummins history. And if you look, I'll, I'll post some pictures on at uh, Truck Show Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. But they tried to have one of every engine in the history of Cummins in there. And they're all lined up, and they're beautiful. How and, many would that be? I mean, there has to be 100 engines in there. Oh, damn. You know, something that like many. that. many? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's stuff on the shelf. There's parts. There's the race cars right now. There's big stuff. There's little stuff. There's the old Veed motors, which were uh, like hit and miss motors that were diesel powered. It's I mean, just, too bad that it's not open to the public. I yeah. mean, I guess he said it's about resources, and yeah. it's not a priority. And a small for the town company. too, you know. It's, no, I understand, but I mean, there was there are so many Cummins aficionados. Yeah, that. But I think or, that's, or, or fanboys, I should say. That's why it's great because they want to invite people like us in because we can share that message with everybody, right? Kind of tell them the history of Cummins. So um, I just thought that was really really interesting. So hopefully everybody uh, you know thought the same and the history of the race cars. Those cars have never until this year have never, ever been all in the same place together and all restored and all running. I mean, that that right there is just a, a super special. Yeah. So you spent a lot more time at Cummins than just that one interview. Oh, That was hefty. Yeah. And I think I don't want to chop it down. I want to kind of let it, let it breathe, breathe, as they say. So here's what we do. We get into some inbox, read right. some email. All right, we got some emails. And the show. Okay. And the next episode will be the follow-up to your Cummins- Part, uh, part two of the Cummins episode. Cummins, yeah. Part two <laughs> of the Cummins episode. All right. I like that. Now, what was our edict to uh, our listeners? What are they going to do? When they see Cummings- Yes. With the G? Uh, at Truck Show Podcast, and make sure that they hashtag the G is silent. Hashtag the G is, is silent. silent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you email? Yeah. I email. Do it. All right, so Holman, you're uh, better up. You're off beat. There it is. 
That's because I was uh, reading my uh, my first email here. Ah, you look like a dork when you do that. I uh, gotta, just got to say. Well, just for the record, you're a little dorky. I got to say that uh, our <laughs> listeners are complete freaking a-holes. Uh, no. Why? Oh, because they don't like you for something you said? Uh, nope. Even gonna, worse. Someone asking for a retraction? Um, nope. Nope. That's not it either. Hmm. You got the, it's not, you didn't get a displacement wrong on one of the engines uh, and now probably they're scolding did. you? Okay. No, uh, worse than that. Oh. So as you know, my 2012 Jeep Wrangler is up for sale and I've had very few bites uh, so far. Probably a bad time of year to sell a vehicle, I'm sure. Right. Uh, although somebody needs that under their Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, is it time? Well, here's the deal. Oh, it's not time for uh, Billy Bargain? I, I get a... Uh, oh, not yet. I get a uh, <laughs> email on my phone from AutoTrader saying, Congratulations, a potential buyer is interested in your 2012 Jeep Wrangler. And of course... Let me guess. Super excited. Let me guess. It's a... Uh, oh, it's a, it's a... Oh, it's a prank! Oh, it's a prank! Uh, it's did, a prank. Did you do that? Was that no, your doing? No, but I, what else could it be? All right. Well, I was going to say, did, did, what happened to you? Can I read the email? Mo- okay. Name, Billy Bargain. <laughs> email address, truck. <laughs> email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Phone, 657-205-6105. Best contact time, day. Comments. Should I do it in the Billy Bargain voice? Oh, yeah, here we go. Hey, Hubba Bubba, I'm interested in your 2012 Jeep Wrangler. Just a few questions, because this thing looks custom, custom, custom. Does it have a limited edition California pompousness package or any custom gauges to mount those engine parameters? California pompousness package. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so whoever did that, F you, and you're also awesome all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. So that is my first email. That's fantastic. All right, I got one, and it is titled Five Stars. So we're starting on a good note, All potentially. Right, I like, right. like that. And it's from uh, Jacob Boone. Unfortunately, I didn't start listening until episode 97. I listened to the SEMA episodes Newbie. and the Finnegan episode first. Then I started over. So far, you haven't given yourself enough credit for the amount of knowledge you guys have and display on the show. Well, wow. that's Holman's knowledge. I don't. Thank I'm you. just here for fun. I thought you I actually I'm just here to listen to Holman's knowledge That's and then I'm make uh, the audio good. Uh, I thought I consider myself a gearhead, but I've learned so much more in your first 20 episodes than I did working in the industry. Wow. wow. Okay. Thanks. He says, "Great job. Keep up. Great job up the great. I mean, rad work. Great job. Keep up the great. I mean, rad work." Nice. See? I like that. I've heard a podcast before, but shrugged them off. Uh, then Finnegan mentioned you guys in his oh. IG story. Right and on. then everything changed. I haven't listened to music since I found the show. Wow. wow. I do. I mean, thanks, Mikey. That We appreciate you uh, giving no, us the no, shout no, out. Jacob. No, no, Finnegan. Oh, you're thanking Mike Finnegan yes, for, for the shout-out. for putting yeah. the shout-out out there so that Jacob could find us. Awesome job. Wish I could join your industry somehow. Um, we, you you uh, can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can. I mean, write us again and we'll, I don't know, what part of the industry? I don't I guess know. we should know. Do you have yeah. skills? <laughs> uh, thanks again for all the laughs and knowledge. Keep up the good work. And if you still do have any, I am a double XL. <laughs> we'll get and right he's to got that. his address here in right. Tucson, Arizona. Thank oh, you very much, Jacob. Right. Uh, it's nice compliments. And if you really cared... You'd go on to Apple and give us those five stars. Uh, yeah, you would definitely give us five stars. I mean, I don't know if well, maybe he did. Uh, well, if if you if you have by the time you're hearing this, thank you. And don't forget, uh, for those of you who are still waiting for a shirt, or if uh, you just want a shirt, I mean everyone, uh, the store.motortrend.com. 
Where are you gonna? You're gonna hunt hawk shirts when they know uh, we have free ones. Just, uh, just uh, saying. If store.motortrend.com. Yeah, if you want a shirt before we have one to give you, you can get a, a t-shirt, a pullover, a hoodie, a long sleeve, ladies' tank, men's tank. Uh, just go to store.motortrend.com. <laughs> type in truck show podcast. That's what they're thinking about as a tank right now. And uh, you know, it was like sub-zero weather in like Minnesota. You're kidding, right? Because I just got back from Columbus. Yeah, where it was. 15 degrees. So, right. Yeah, it was And here freezing. you are hawking a tank top. I'm just saying, great Christmas present. Okay. Uh, store.motortrend.com. Okay. Search for Truck Show Podcast, <laughs> and you can get a way better shirt than what we have to offer, and probably a lot quicker than we would ever mm. get it to you. Okay. Uh, all right. I've got an email here from Lars. Uh, Lars says, Jay Buble, yeah. give that $100 back to Tesla. Oh. That was it? That was the whole email? That was the whole okay. email. <laughs> well, here's one from uh, Ray. He says, Lightning and Holman. Call me crazy, but the at the end of last night's Cybertruck live feed. Okay, so this apparently this came out a while ago. Yeah, we're catching up. In here. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of last night's Cybertruck live feed, I clicked on the 500 mile range model and placed the order. Interesting. Oh, somebody after your own heart. My wife is away, East Coast, so I emailed the order confirmation to her. She replied early this morning with one word. Woof. <laughs> anyway, I've is been that smiling. what your wife said to you when uh, you told her? I don't think she knows yet. <laughs> anyway, I've been smiling and giggling to myself ever since I hit the order button. So that alone will be worth the one hundred dollar deposit. When push comes to shove, I'm sure I can get past the styling. But at least it's an option for now that I've got in the queue. The unholy alliance of the Honda Ridgeline and the Pontiac Aztec. Yeesh, <laughs> Ray. Oh, that's our buddy Ray. And uh, hey, Ray, I haven't had a chance to use the barbecue tongs yet, but. Uh... But I'm going to. I did. I swatted. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I swatted my kid in the butt with him. So oh, that's well, how I, used I don't think that's how, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's how Ray intended them to be used. Uh, this one's entitled, What the Hell? And five stars. Okay. Uh, from Brant Clarkson. Lightning and Holman, I saw the info about the new Tesla truck come out. Went to check the pictures and thought, what the hell? Then I gave it a couple hours and checked again. Maybe I was just hangry. Nope. Still, what the hell? Regardless of looks, how will they pass crash testing with that shape and tough stainless sheet metal? Also, let us not be smudged John DeLorean's name by comparing this protractor design monstrosity <laughs> to the car that took us back to the future. A protractor design. Uh, zero stars, Tesla, zero stars. Now back to real trucks. I own a 17 F-150 with a 5 liter and have replaced yeah, this. Yeah, buddy! It was worth it. Yeah. Replace these stock shocks with the Bilstein 5100s to much improve ride and handling. A uh, big fan of those. My question is, what would be the next level up from here? Thinking Camberg's upper arms, Fox 2.5, and Deaver rear leafs. Are the rear springs overkill or well-matched to the purpose changes up front? Hoping for some feedback from you guys or perhaps from Camberg themselves. Thanks for the awesome podcast. It's my favorite of many. I've been listening since the beginning. Remember that your home life is more important than getting the podcast out, but we greatly appreciate what you do. Five stars. Five star review. Five stars. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. And Malter, those key engine parameters. Malter, monitor key engine parameters. Uh, Brent. All right, so there's a million different ways you can go. You could even go to the uh, Bilstein uh, adjustable height shocks for the front. You can go to like a 5150 or a uh, reservoir shock in the back. You can mix Deavers in the back. I know Cambric has a, a, a lot of shock options. I mean... Yeah, we talk to Jerry all the time. I'm sure it'd be super easy to get him on the show. He's a big fan, so uh, maybe we'll make that happen, and he can go a little more in depth with some of the the new uh, the new stuff he's offering and answer some of these questions about what's your next basic upgrade above shocks. I think we do that. Here's one from Eric: Cordless tool advice for Holman. 
Hell yeah, go with Milwaukee. Excellent tools, phenomenal batteries. I had a pretty fair lineup of Ryobi tools and was looking for something better, mainly in terms of battery life. At the time, I was a paid firefighter, and one of the companies I, we worked with bought a brand new cardiac monitor that we used. Guess what kind of batteries? Uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yep. The manufacturer said that there is no way they could build a better battery that could compete with Milwaukee, so that was what they went with to power their monitor. That's, that's dude. Dude, that's, I mean, that's pretty high praise. Yeah. Uh, so, if it was reliable enough to save a life, surely it wouldn't let me down. Since then, I've bought way too many tools, my wife's words, uh, from an 18-volt mini shop vac to a 1,400-foot-pound half-inch impact. All these tools make framing a lot easier. And Lightning, congrats on the 66. Ooh. On giving Elon 100 bucks. For yeah, that cheap, I agree for with that. that. He Could you eight. do another boo just for me? Yeah, sure. Ooh. Boo! <laughs> he says uh, boo on giving Elon $100 for the Cuber truck. It could have bought your gun rack or been well over half of a 12-gauge Maverick M88 shotgun. Uh, I totally agree with that. <laughs> I think that that 100 bucks could have been way better spent than giving it to uh, yeah. Elon to have for a while. Yeah, we'll see. Elon's uh, making some uh, interest on my $100. Uh, I was going to say, we're, how about, uh, what interest are you making on your $100? Uh, zero. All yep. right. Zip. Well, if you want to just give me $100, I'll give you $100 back down the line sometime. <laughs> sometime. Happy to do that. <laughs> All right, I've got this one here from Andy White. says, five stars. Hey guys, this is Andy from Northern California. I just listened to episode 97. Can I ask why people do that? When they say from Northern California, just give me a city. Okay. It's such a big area. Because you and I, we would say what city we're from. I'd say Long Beach and you'd say Huntington. Uh -huh. We don't go, hey, we're from Southern California. Okay. California pompousness? No, 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 no. Like if, if I asked a guy like, where are you from? I'd want him to say Milwaukee. Well, this isn't a know, guy, or, number one. And number two- It's not a guy? No. And number two, she's about to give us a compliment while you just crap all over her again. What is it with you? Like, this is too corporate and I hate people. Hmm. All right, let's go back here. Uh, yeah, hold on a second. We are deeply <laughs> no, sorry. No, you are deeply sorry. Well, I don't have an I'm sorry. Uh, all right. Okay, hold on. Lightning sorry. Lightning. What is wrong with you? I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with me, Alice. Yeah, just listen to the show. <laughs> <sighs> I, drag, all right. I drag us down, don't uh, I? You know, I feel like we get this great rhythm and then you're like... Why is that so corporate? Why can't that person tell me where she lives? Well, probably because she's a girl and doesn't want a bunch of dudes going to her house. Gotcha. Yeah, I am just the anchor of the show. Just drag <laughs> us to the bottom of the ocean. Man. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say as, uh, as much an anchor as you are a- uh, Detriment? Well, I was going to say whirlpool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think an anchor could be good at times. Right. And anchor you to A whirlpool things. is never good. No, we're spinning around. We're about to disappear into the bottom of the ocean. And there's no hope. I am uh, I'm the quicksand of podcasts. <laughs> you are the quicksand of podcasts. <laughs> Someone throw me a vine! Uh, you're the, also the lightning of uh, podcasts. Mm -hmm. Yep. Anyway, she says, I just listened to episode 97 and all the SEMA shows. I think you guys are doing a brilliant job. Wow. Now don't you feel bad? I feel like a dick. Okay. Also, I'm the third female to listen to your show, LOL. <laughs> uh, I think that's true. I think we did figure out she's the third. Uh, I love listening to all the manufacturers of different products and what kind of products they make and how they're made. As someone who is still building their truck, this helps me out greatly. I can't tell you how many times I bought something, even after doing research, and the product was crap. I can't wait until you guys do another Know Your Note. I sent my badass baby in, so hopefully you'll pick mine. Keep it up, gentlemen. And five stars. Five stars! 
review. Five stars. We need to do another five star review segment. Uh, you know, where we go through well, our reviews on Apple. Well, maybe we do that in the next one, but we really need to do a new know your note because we have a ton of them stacked up. They are. We I yep. think we have like thirty in the queue. There's a bunch of them. So we we've just it's been the holidays and we got a lot going on. We haven't given up on Know Your Note. It will be uh, probably after the holidays. No, we're going to do it. Yeah, no, we'll do it, it. We'll probably it. early next year. Okay. Episode, I don't know, 104 to 5, maybe sure. somewhere in there. All right. <laughs> this one's from Greg. Uh, saw this excursion today near Ontario, California in a Trader Joe's parking lot. Oh, not uh, southeastern California? Uh, nope. <laughs> See, specific. <laughs> southeastern Los Angeles? I noticed this while I was waiting for uh, a mom and about eight middle school girls to jump out of it and head into the Trader Joe's. I saw the bank's power emblem on the fender, so I'm guessing this beast has some kind of Banks diesel power plant in it. Either one of you have ever heard of a Ford getting a Banks in it? Never. Five stars, five stars, <laughs> five stars, he said. Five star review! Five stars! From Greg. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm what, not aware of any uh, any why? Banks products on Fords. No. Why? Is he being sarcastic? I'm being sarcastic. I know, but like, we like there's like 200 Ford parts in our <laughs> damn catalog. And about uh, yeah, uh, uh, a uh, Greg uh, Bankspower.com. Yeah, about a hundred uh, Banks parts on my truck too. Uh, there might be <laughs> none <laughs> on your truck. Oh, That's not true. The air boxes, no, the air boxes. Yeah, yeah, and the uh, the eye dashes. Oh yeah, we've got a few yeah. eye dashes. And in then there. there's uh, the electronics. There will be a lot uh, when we're done. Yeah. Exhaust. Oh they, yeah, the exhaust is. But that we don't sell those. But yeah, that's well, a one off just it, for you. It's using the mufflers though and the tips. That's true. We do sell those. Uh, absolutely. Bankspower.com. <laughs> I don't really, I, we've talked about this. I, now I feel dirty. Uh, all right. Back. He, baited, he baited me into yeah, he, doing well, a plug. Yeah, he did. Mm. He did. He must be listening to the all show. Right. All right. Hey, cool. Uh, we love our friends over at Banks. You know what else we love? Uh, saying goodbye. We love store.motortrend.com where you can search for Truck Show Podcast and pick yourself up a t-shirt. We love uh, Motor Trend, the app. Uh, by the way, they're doing a great holiday promotion We're going right to smash now. the app. The Truck Show, the Truck Show, <laughs> the Truck Show, oh, oh. If I hadn't stopped you, you would have smashed no, it I knew exactly. Where, no, no, no. I knew exactly where it was. Uh, until January 2nd at 9 p.m. PST. There is a promotion going on for the Motor Trend app. See all your favorite shows, Roadkill, Dirt Every Day, uh, a million others. A dollar a month with ads or two dollars a month with no ads. Two dollars? Two bucks. You can't even buy a pack of Hubba Bubba or Bubblicious <laughs> for two bucks. Uh, that's true. I know, I know. So uh, if you like uh, awesome automotive content, check out the uh, Motor Trend app. It's great, dude. Just for Dirt Every Day is worth it. I mean, I'll Bucks. Roadkill, Roadkill Garage. Oh, by the way, I heard one of our buddies is head to uh, head. One of our buddies is getting his uh, new show. A spinoff. Oh yeah. We're gonna have him back. All right. Are we being secretive about this? Yes, we are. Okay. And uh, we also just uh, announced the. I totally forgot. We should do this in the next episode. Announced who the uh, new cast of Top Gear. Yeah. Is. Well, wait. Has that been, that hasn't been announced yet? It has been announced. We we just forgot to talk about it because we've been, <laughs> both been so busy. <laughs> Well, we work for this company. We should have been all hyped about it. Uh, that's Excited. why I'm being hyped right now. Okay. You're furiously I mean, typing into this. No, no. I'm, I'm wondering if uh, we should uh, if we should promote that right now or wait till the next episode. I think we should do it now. You're just talking about uh, Motor Trend on demand. Yeah, and the fact that you can, uh, for two bucks, ad free. So for two bucks, you get Top Gear America with the brand new cast that you're about to announce now? How about uh, Jethro Bovington? Rob Corddry? Yeah, funny. Dak Shepard. 
That's a good cast. It is a good good cast, and uh, they're all legitimate like automotive gearheads and comedians, and it should be fun. Can we talk to Dex? Uh, I already messaged him. Okay, I said, "Hey, you're part of the family. We're part of the family." And he has a pretty and popular he, and podcast. He said, Who are you? And stop leaving me. Never alone. got back to me. <laughs> I'm sure there's some talent we have to go through, but yeah. it would be cool if we could tack, uh, Dex on the show. Yeah. What do you think? You how do you not know Dax through Rolodex? Uh, you could probably I reach do out. Do have him. his people? But you, yeah. I mean, it would be best if it came through you through Motor Trend. I right. think. You know, I think it would be cool. You just got to share the love. Did you know? I think we talked about it before. Ben Collins, the original Stig, yeah, has offered to come on the show. Okay, and we've just been busy. Oh, not too busy for Stig. I know. Wouldn't that be cool? Yes, I think that would be a great tie-in for the new. Oh. Uh, I know we have so much going no, we on though. Suck. All right. I know this is. All right. Here's you know episode. you know who doesn't suck. Nissan. Yeah, Nissan. Five year, one hundred thousand mile warranty, the best in the business. Zero gravity seats in the nineteen and the new twenty. That you are. I'm not happy with you now, knowing that you're getting a 2020 I'm to borrow. Give you a ride, and we're gonna take it off road. But here's what happened last time you got um, a vehicle to yeah. test drive. Uh-huh. You didn't give me a ride. Uh, that's not true. It is true. No, I gave you a ride in the uh, the Jeep I have out there. All right, okay, it's true then. And you ridden in the Ram? Yeah. And you've ridden in the Titan? I even got you, you a know, Titan. You know, I know what it was, is you went to the desert and had an adventure and then left me out. So this oh, time- okay, that's probably it. This time we're going to Death Valley. Uh, speaking of adventures, we haven't even talked about it. I was out on four-wheeler of the year. You got to test all sorts of new trucks, too. Okay. There's just, we just, too, there's just too, much. too much. There's too all much. Right, so right. stop here. Nissan is the best. You guys know it. We want you to go to your local Nissan dealer. And NissanUSA.com. Yes, and uh, and don't just think about buying one. Just do it. And then buy a deck system. Exactly. Load it and just whoosh, that smooth, those smooth, buttery drawers in the back, and then get your Elon Musk Cybertruck uh, uh, quad and load it on top. And screw you, Cybertruck. I don't need you. But I want you to get that cool, like, Raptor-esque-looking quad on the back and put on your deck system. Uh, that would be at LBC Lightning. Once again, <laughs> digging a hole. Uh, but you could also go to deck.com and, uh, I don't know, was it the Figure quad cooler than the Cybertruck itself? I mean, if you like quads, yeah. I love quads. Uh, well, then it was definitely cooler. Who doesn't love a good quad? I know what you did. You put it in the 100 bucks for the quad, didn't you? No, they didn't offer it. I know, but you're going to be like, oh, I would have. Uh-huh. Everyone would have. What if they say, we're going to special offers like Kickstarter, early adopter, you could also buy the quad. Doing it. You do? Yeah? I think so. Uh-huh. And, unless it's, if it's 20 grand, I ain't doing it. It's 20 grand, I guarantee you. <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't be. It might if be 100 it, grand. If, but if it's like six, I think it's 500 bucks. Nah, it's five grand, grand more than the truck. It's like a truck accessory. Yeah, it's like uh, jewelry for your truck. Like jewels. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Stainless steel jewels. Are we talking about the Cybertruck? Nope. God. What is wrong yeah. with us? Nissan right. Deck, we love you. Yep. And uh, tune in for the next show because it's going to be Cummins-alicious. Uh, cummins Sode part two. Yes. Coming right at you in one week from today. What he said. <laughs> yeah.